Hey there, welcome to the CSL here podcast number 15. We have an amazing group of guys here today. But before we introduce everyone, we got to thank our sponsors. Number one, our first sponsor we're going to thank is Refrag. Use the code NART to save 50% on the, on the next Refrag purchase. Train like a pro, play like a pro, use Refrag. We also want to thank Underdog as our sponsor, a premier a prop betting website. Also, you can play best ball and fantasy sports on there. Use the code NART. And with that, they will match all your deposits up to $100. And we have a new sponsor out there in Manscaped, uh, a premier-made grooming uh, male grooming website. Your balls will thank you for using Manscaped. Use the, co- <laughs> use the, car, uh, the code NART20 to save 20% on your next purchase and also free shipping. Now, let's introduce our guest for today. We have the man himself, literally, our Stephen A. Smith, the king of the shit takes, Anthran. Yes. <laughs> we have uh, a, a returning guest and one of our beloved, amazing commentator, Scriv. <laughs> Thank you very much. There uh, we go. Is, is he, see, a contrast for the Anthran, love, because <laughs> no, we actually like him. <laughs> Still, we you like know. him. Anthran is king of shit takes. And you pointed the script when you said that. Hold, no, man, I right pointed at you, motherfucker. Look on no. the screen. <laughs> Pay attention. I uh, also want to thank our producer, Werewolf, for joining us as well. He's doing Hello. an amazing job of doing all in the doing all the producing and everything like that, and, and better than my shitty producing takes. I actually disagree. I think Sadka had it down, and then I made no. it worse. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Shout out no, to Sokka, the OG <laughs> producer, the OG producer. No, the shitty producer right here, let's be real. Okay, now it looks like Anthran went to sunglass mode. He's a gimmick caster, bro. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, now, let's let's begin. First stuff we're going to do is the buy round. First from the buy round is, we'll give a topic. Everyone will say their, what they want to say on the specific topic, and I'll score points. The points do not matter. But they kind of do it because if you're the lowest points, you get quote unquote eliminated. But you can you can still have your say in the next round. So let's begin in the buy round. The first topic we're going to hit is Nip adding Alexi B and benching Plopsky. Let's begin with Anthrop. What you, what's your take on this? I think that's a dub, bro. I think Alexi got the short end of the stick on G two. To be honest with you, I mean, you look at G two as a, a roster and a lineup for just about. The whole time they've had at least the core of Nico, Hunter, and Jackson, whoever, whatnot, they were always struggling, right? They always were able to make big plays. They were always they were always able to make it deep in tournaments, but when it actually came to grand finals and stuff, that's where they struggled. And I think they did have consistency issues in some regard. I think taking out Alexi B put a majority of the problem on him, or at least made it look like that. And I feel like G2 have always blamed the IGL, where it is it's Nexa to Alexi B, where I don't even think Nexa was doing all that poorly. I still think it was just a performance issue on other players' parts. Then you have Alexi B getting swapped out, and uh, I mean the struggles for G two still kind of continued at the beginning. I guess they look a bit better now, but there is still always those still those question marks. So I think coming into NIP, a team that's not looking great right now. I mean, we just saw them absolutely get dumpstered in the majority of pro league and in most of the events they've been playing. They need a reformat. They need a new breath of fresh air, and I think Alexi B brings that in. All right, let's go to Scrib. What do you? What's your take on it? 
Um, well, it's good I'm next because mine's kind of the complete opposite. I think the only good oh. thing about bringing Alexi B in, to be honest, is maybe that you open the door to like an international lineup, right? Um, and, and moving away from this this full Swedish idea. I think uh, for me, it's like Alexi, you have, you know, the, the Ents run or whatever, then moves into OG. You could maybe make the argument that for his chops and where they could take him, he doesn't have, you know, quite the right pieces. Then he goes to G2 and although it starts off a bit weird because, you know, they had all these COVID issues and the coach and all that as well also getting COVID, I do sympathize with that, but it never really worked out. A good six to nine month period, you know, to make that work. Um, and for me, it, it didn't necessarily fall apart, but definitely nowhere near where they wanted to be. And now that they've kind of gone gone back, you know, and they've got Hooksy, who's a little freer, I guess. It's only the group stage, but they look better off the press than Alexi B's G2 look better off the press. We can say that at the very least. I, I I wouldn't necessarily say that he's overrated, but I just don't think that he's the player coming in. Then you also have, you know, the sort of uh, appendages attached to that that they've changed around. Esetag's going back to rifling. Rez is moving on to the orb. I don't think that is the wisest move. It smacks of desperation. It smacks of maybe they're going to get rid of Esetag as well to get a proper orper in. If they're actually going to stick with Rez on the AWP, I think that is a terrible move, to be honest, because he is far and away your best and most consistent player. Um, and then you've got all this weirdness. They're now, I guess, going to come in English. And Roland said he didn't really want to do that. He wanted to be in a Swedish team. So I think there's so many question marks behind it that it's such a risky move and kind of a desperate move. The, the two things, like I say, you've got open the door to international lineup and... I'm actually kind of interested to see Hampers freed up a little bit and see what he's capable of. Um, I, I kind of agree with Scriv on this one. I'm not necessarily super hyped about Alexi B coming in. You know, I, I agree that he probably got more than his fair share of the blame when it comes to G2's performance. Um, but generally, it's just like, I, I don't know. It doesn't excite me. I don't really know how his system will work with Nip and the players they have. It kind of feels like a really unstable roster now i don't really know like res on the op does just feel like a patchwork solution i'm not quite sure that it's going to work in the long run uh and and even you know as it stands res is one of those players where like one round he looks like the best player in the world and then he goes missing for the next seven right so it's um i, I don't know it's just a bit of a weird move i think removing plopsky is sort of it was needed right like plopsky was really really good you know he came up a little bit after brolin sometime in like 2018 i want to say um, back on existent white and existent ga existence galaxy and it was like oh you know this really promising young swedish player cool there's a bunch of these guys now and slowly over the years he just got worse and worse and worse and while yeah you know he didn't have the worst events recently i just kind of feel like it, it, you know it's like bmas having a slight uh surge in performance before getting kicked off of mouse you know nice cool maybe it raises your stock a little bit as you try to look for a new team but I, I think it was just necessary to get Plopsky off of there unfortunately he is only 20 years old hopefully you know he really can uh, bounce back sometime soon but he's got to take a step down um I don't know it's it's a weird one I, I really don't think it fixes everything uh for Nip by any means but hopefully the the international avenue is going to be a bit more interesting or they're actually going to make use of their their academy team down the line and bring up new talents are we okay? Finish, finish up before we go with a little rebuttal. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for, for me, I, I'm not a fan of it at all. I mean, you look towards Nip as a roster, and I think one of the biggest things for them was that they were lacking 
firepower because of how poor Plopsky was playing. So fair enough that getting rid of Plopsky was, was the right decision. But then you bring an Alexi B who's not adding to the firepower and the the addition, as you mentioned, of Scriv of kind of now they're coming, um, they're coming in English. That's so the whole reason why Brolin left Fnatic three months later. He joins his Nip team to speak in Swedish to now be speaking in English. So he's gonna be pissed, like holes in the desk. I'll be fuming. And uh, and then the, the thing for me is like, I feel like this Nip sort of kind of lost their identity because now they're just in this limbo situation where they're a roster who don't really have a set play style. They're moving away from the calling of Hampers, which I don't think the calling of Hampers was necessarily bad. It was just, of course, you could see on the T side, Hampers would call around himself. He was, it was very reliant on Hampers finding success and Hampers, you know, making these moves. You look to a kind of Mirage, for example, do these classic things where, you know, go in there, kind of a ladder room to, you know, wrap him behind them, flanking. It was all very reliant on Hampers finding success. And if it didn't, they crumbled a bit. And uh, I guess they want to change that scenario and bring in Alexi's experience. But I don't like the play. I think if you're nip and you're taking a risk, you look towards kind of like talent you could bring in. You know, you even speak of like tier one orpers that are kind of in limbo at the moment. Mantu's not a bad example. If you want to go into actually speaking, why would you not replace the orper with an actual good orper of Mantu who can compete at tier one? Or if you want to take a risk, look at some of these young Swedes out there. Like for me, like I was thinking Chorzy. I mean, you think about a young Swede who is dominated at the tier two level under Savage. I mean, you look towards, of course, when he's at Apex, he got put on a rifle. He's not a rifle. He's always been an orper. So he got shafted there, um, which I think is why, you know, you look to his stats and they're not great. I think, generally speaking, it's a bad move. I'm not a fan of it. I think they're just going to lack firepower. I really just think they're going to be, like, fanatic before they made the changes they got now, where they were just this, like, soulless team, basically, who weren't performing, and are just going to be constantly looking for changes. And also, now with Rosterlock, they're stuck with this, in my opinion, pretty shit change for a long time now. So I'm not, I'm not a fan. I just think they're going to be really mid. I don't think they're going to stay in the top 10. Overall, not impressed, basically. All right, Anthony, I saw you get your right, your hand raised up, and you're 1v3ing these guys right now. <laughs> give, me your, give, me, give me your rebuttal right now. So, to start it off, I'm going to start with Scriv. And he talked about how Alexi B didn't do that well on ends, which I, I think is valid, right? But then he comes into OG. And the, the whole point of this is I think you don't look into what happened to Alexi B specifically enough. Now, there are obviously the issues of he has gotten chances and he hasn't necessarily delivered up to expectations. But at the same time, I think it's valid to look deeper into these teams because you look at when they brought them into OG, they had two stars who had never competed at Tier 1. You had two rejects from the Tier 1 scene and you're trying to put a team together to try to compete on a global level. That's not going to go well. I'm not saying he still didn't do anything. Uh, obviously, Lexi B isn't a firepower piece, but I still think we underrate him as an IGL in a system that has somewhat worked in the past and with better firepower and better consistency, which I think G2, when he was on there, heavily lacked, it's probably going to look a lot better. Now, as for the identity crisis, this one goes under frog. As for as for the um the part of Alexi B not fixing many issues, I don't think he has to. I think NIP just need a breath of fresh air. You look at before they were having all these struggles. These past couple events didn't go very well. They didn't look all that great. It's not like they were performing completely piss poor. You go back to events before that in. Most of the showdowns they were doing fairly well. I'd say even middle of the pack towards top. They did pretty well at the last major where they placed in top eight. I think the problem with NIP is they've fallen out of relevancy and now there's nobody else to try to bring them back into it. You've got three people who are, have no idea what to do anymore. You've got a ton of comfortability issues. We just talked about res switching to the EWP. You've got people not knowing if they want to do what they want to do anymore. So I don't think the issue is the... is necess I think the issue is... 
the lack of creativity because it's been the same nip for so long. They haven't had a really big refresh of what's going on. And I think Alexi B brings that to the table. And that's why I think he's a great pickup just in the sense of refreshing now what they already built on and can probably even help Rez get more comfortable in the offing perspective. You know, he worked with Monesi. He's worked with other offers in the past. It's not like he's not done this before. Now, as for, I think I actually pretty much, um, commented on Neokai's thing too, but it's still just like when NIP had an identity and when NIP were comfortable, it showed they performed well. And I think that's something to definitely look towards as Alexi B brings in that outside perspective. It's a pretty good rebuttal from Anthony right there. Yeah. Hitting on everything, but is anyone else have uh, anything else to say? Like, we'll, uh, I can follow up. Go yeah. right ahead, man. I mean, th th this for me, it was like, you know, Nip always tout themselves. I mean, even the CEO, I, I forget his name, it's like Cars or something like that. He always tells himself as Nip having this like Nip system. But no one knows what this Nip system is. And it's very evident that they don't know what this Nip system is because they don't play it. it they look sloppy a lot, right? And I think bringing Alexi's not solving that because... Like, I, I actually really like the idea of Hampus not IGLing, because I think as a rifler, just solely, Hampus is a really, really good idea, um, uh, rifler, so he doesn't have to do the IGLing role anymore, which means that he can play to his strengths. But when you just chalk this up to pros and cons, what is Alexi actually adding to this team? Because they're going to want to stick with, like, what is NIP system, so he's going to have to mold himself around that NIP system. And then you're hindering players because you're changing the roles of S-Tag, you're changing the roles of Rez, most importantly. And I thought you mentioned it. Kind of for me, like Rez is one of those players that you have to look at as kind of the big hitter, right? He's the one that uh for me has to bring the firepower. And then now putting him into or what is essentially a crutch because you don't really want him warping. And I think it's not good enough to be a tier one side and not have an actual orper. Like it, it is in my eyes, just sort of moronic because you have to have an orb to compete in tier one. As much as people want to make the argument that you can't just play five rifles and chill. And I know they're, they're making this, I saw them, uh, the, the statement, it was like, oh, you know, Rez is up there with, I was, I was saying like, up there with like Simple and Zai Wu as an orper. He's not like let, let's let's not be around the bush here. Like that is bullshit. Like yeah, he just isn't. Like he, he will never, never has been, and never will be on that level. Like it's simple as like just don't make these dumb comparisons. Um, like, it's just it's not true. Uh, and he's a fantastic player, but he needs to play to his strengths. His strengths is being a very, very versatile and adaptable rifler, not an orper. I feel like they should have brought in an orp who has firepower. I, as I mentioned Mantu, but there's, there's plenty of other options out there. But if you're going to take a risk for me, it's, it wasn't IGLing that was their problem. It was firepower. And the risk should have been into bringing a youngster. Like, same way G2 with Manessi, of course, he's a bit of a special uh, case in that thing. Look at Maus as well, bringing all those youngsters from the academy because they're taking a risk to bolster firepower with the likes of Zertion, the likes of Torzi. They should have done the same thing. Bring in an Orpo who's young, who versatile, who they can mold to this NIP system that they keep talking about, but no one actually knows what it is. I'd just like to add to that as well. Uh, if, if they were so confident in Reza Zopping, why was S attack doing it? You know, exactly. it's, it's yeah. like, it's just a weird one for me. It doesn't make any sense. I still yeah. think there's always the possibility of device coming back in. I mean, it's, it's, it, I yeah, can tell you for a fact, it's not happening. I think your points are valid when you talk about still having an opera's issue. I, still, I don't think S attack was ever going to cut it or cut the bill as an opera, to be quite honest with you. I think that that was a questionable move in the first place, but... At this point, you you talk about roster lock. You talk about making moves and why not change out to an opera? Why put Rez on the op when he's uncomfortable? I, I think it's like, I definitely feel like there's got to be something more to it, right? Because they always have had device on the bench. It's like, you don't want to commit to picking up an opera when there's always that uncertainty of one of the best to ever do it coming he's back. He's not coming just, back. To, but, yeah, I mean, he isn't. <laughs> that, it's, it's, it's there's like nothing, basically. There's, 
bro, confirmed is too much of a term that's thrown around. No, I because he's got two point five year contract. He's got two months left, and he's already in contacts. And Astralis, I'm literally putting an offer today for him. He's not going to back. He's not going back on that roster. He's going back to Astralis. It's the worst kept secret in CS. Everyone knows he wants to go time, back to Astralis. Though, <laughs> device has always said he's never going back to Astralis. Like he said this multiple times. Like. And I he know needs, he needs somewhere to compete, though. I think either it's, way, yeah. he's lying. Either way, it's a lie, regardless of which way you put it. I'm telling you that right now. It's like he's either going back to Astralis and that's a lie, or he it's will. a lie that he's going to Astralis and he's Far going back to the way out. I don't device is coming back in. It's like I, I, I would I, I'm not, actually so sure of it. Yeah. Like, I'm so but then sad. in that I, case, that. with a team like NIP, the they're, exactly. they're so legendary in the scene. I think they know that you can't compete at tier one without an off. I don't think they would leave yeah. that big of a hole in the roster knowingly. So I definitely think there's a chance that it comes back. And in that case, when device makes his move to Astralis, I will very much so forfeit up my five points right now. And when he does come <laughs> back, I am getting five points back on the next time I come. But, yeah, but, maybe, but maybe that is a nip system. They don't need an opera. Okay. That is yeah, man. That's runs, what Liquid runs said too. Top fifteen. I did not have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, no. like everyone keeps saying it's the most OP gun in the game as well. I mean, everyone keeps making right. this argument, like, right? So then, if it's the most OP gun, why are you not having someone who's actually competent with it? Not saying Res isn't. He's very good, but I mean, have a dedicated op and let Res be free roam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just gonna say, there's kind of the the two uh, big angles. I think. One thing that maybe we overlook a little bit, like, you know, you talk about the CS and, and that sort of angle. I always like to bring in the sort of business angle. I think they've gone, right, we need uh, maybe a bit of a change up. And Hampers has perhaps said, right, I want a rifle. Let's bring Alexi B. And that's money. They're also, you know, a million in the hole and probably not going to get any money at all for a device. So it's just going to be, you know, so pulling someone else in, I think that for now, they've clearly shown with like, bloody Essa tag on it and all that they're they're sort of um you know not afraid to to split and try something a bit different and change up the roles or whatever if that might work you never know because obviously there is a world we're going off of what we know there is a world in which res actually is sick on the orb right that could sure. happen you never know but the thing is it's a risk and it's it's a pretty dangerous risk you know um, it is a massive, it's sort of a, a change of the field in regular sports. You go from like a defensive to an attacking player or whatever, maybe midfielded to attacking player. Maybe you would say Neo Kai, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm onto something there. there. You I, get what I, I mean? I know, like, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, 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 you could go from like right mid to right wing or some shit. Yeah. You know, it's it's like there's there's not it's a not crazy massively. amount. Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's already an attacking player. He's just changing mm -hmm. weapons, right? But the other thing that I think is is really problematic is you're also kind of, you know, you're orping with Essa Tigers, maybe gone from like being here to like here, because Rez, I guess, could be better than Essa Tiger at the moment. Most options would be. But yeah. your rifling's gone from like that same sort of level all the way that you're now, not only are you taking a risk on Rez being good on the orp, you're also taking a risk that if you give Hampus more resources and freedom, if you give Brolin more resources, because you would imagine they would now turn him into their star rifler. Yeah. You're yeah. taking a risk on the fact that are they going to be able to perform to the same level that Rez was? You know, where Brolin's had some good series, some good games, but it seems very up and down, you know? Plus the factor that extracurricularly, he's going to probably have slightly worse comms, slightly worse mental. And it's another, it's like, now obviously, if, if, if you know everything to know about Device, he's had a lot of stuff going on and it's been very, very weird. <laughs> it's another sort of coming in, maybe not quite getting what you want as a player, and things not quite working out, 
So not necessarily promises broken, but the environment is totally different from what you were expecting when you came in. So they have so many of these things now. There's firepower, there's, you know, logistics of the game, and then there's also kind of keeping their players in, in a level. And you've got guys like Hampus and, uh, uh, and Rez who have been in this team for a long time. So if this one doesn't work, they might just be like, you know what? I think this team's cursed. Yeah, yeah, I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> International rosters are everywhere. I'm going, mate. I'll go join, you know, a Mouse or uh, maybe a fit, you know, like there's there's plenty that are opening an Ents perhaps, you know, there's there's options yeah. out there for these guys. Just to add to that as well, kind of about, about the options. I, I think Nip as well, on the business side, are slightly kicking themselves by letting Fuzi go to Sangal. They've got this Orbo who can, camp, yeah. who, who can compete, basically. He's played with the team before. Okay, granted, his performances weren't, you know, they weren't standout spectacular. But you've got a Swedish-speaking guy who's played Orb already, has practiced and scrimmed with them for a regular basis, and is already part of the organization. So you're not paying any money. It's like, it's free, right? And they let him go to Sangal when they know Plopski is and has been shit for a long time. Like, he's not been up that level. There's, like, there's, there's no beating around the bush. I know he had a couple of games in Pro League when they'd already were not making playoffs, so it didn't make, make any difference anyway. Um, but they had this young guy. And now, of course, Fuzi's gone to Sangal. Sangal literally said to Fuzi, do whatever you want. Play your orping style. We're not going to control you. And what has he done? He's, made, he's literally hard-carried them to qualification for the RMR. I mean, I was I casted, like, their whole run, basically, uh, mm. through that. I think it was the, the third RMR, the fourth RMR. And... He was unstoppable. Like, Fuzi was one of the best orbits I saw the entire time. I mean, he looked streets better than Farley on the other side of the bracket. So, it's just for me. It was, I think Nip will be kicking themselves. And I feel like this is just a panic. Just that, you know, roster locks just happened. They're just like, oh, shit. Like, we need to make a change because this team isn't going to compete. I don't think they've helped themselves. I think they've arguably taken a step back because they've just... The, the cons outweigh the pros in my eyes because they've just limited everybody else by bringing in now essentially another IGL alongside their other IGL who are both in the last like you know few months on like red ratings. I, just, I don't really see the positives here because Alexi's system isn't even it's, it's not like your Carrigan who is like you know got the system that is you know proven in mouths and going God knows whatever with it doesn't matter what speaking people you are who you are you've got Alexi B who in G two I know we can shit on him for G two because like. Oh, we can and can't because it, yeah, I guess the bad end of the stick. But I don't think he's got this, you know, dreamboat system which can save any team. I, I think NIP, they're, they're saving grace with someone who could actually, you know, pick this team up a little bit because they do struggle. And of course, they're having one of those teams who mentally speaking are pretty bad. I see them get tilted so often where you can see them make very sloppy errors. And they need, so if you're going to have an IGL, you need them to calm them down a bit, actually kind of keep them in line. And I just feel like for me, Alexi isn't that person who's, you know, this like someone like a Carrigan you can look up to, someone who like, calling wise, you can always be like, okay, you know, we can rely on him to pull us out of a sticky situation. I mean, I, I, I can't even think of any options apart from back in that ENTS run where Alexi has single-handedly pulled this team out of a dark situation. So I don't know. I think the co the cons outweigh the pros massively for me, but it's a gamble. I, God knows it will pay off. I don't think it will. I think saying that he can't help with the tilt issues is quite wrong, honestly. If you think about Alexi V's career, he's definitely dealt with those tilters before, and it's not like he doesn't have the experience to actually calm that down. You think of the entire meme of G2 and Nico's attitude and how mm -hmm. I don't think it was all that prevalent when Alexi V was on that team. Now, the same thing can go for OG when he's playing with two young players. Obviously, you know how big mentality can be with younger players and how much more of a, a problem it will be to actually have to solve it out because they don't have the tier one experience to know how to deal with those situations. Same thing can happen going in NIP where I think maybe he can be a, you know, a little bit of an ease, a shoulder to cry on for them, for starters. I also think we discredit the, we talk about the NIP system. I think this pickup from 
NIP in general kind of says that that's going out the window, right? I think even they understand Hopefully. at this point I mean... <laughs> that it's not working anymore. The NIP system yeah. very clearly has failed them and will not work in the future. That's what I think Alexi B is coming in for, a different outlook on play. That's why I put so much emphasis on it, because if you were going to stick with this same system and try to keep things normal as to what they've been, you wouldn't pick up Alexa B. That's right. This feels like a big change to me, including all the stuff they've made around it, where Hampus is no longer IGLing, where Esa Tag's yeah. giving the op over to Rez, and they're probably going to try to transition the Star Rifle over to him. Look, Esa Tag had a small point in time where he was doing good. That was on Astralis. That was a long time ago. And I know that's kind of where he got his shine from, but at the same time, I think that had to do with the organization of the team in general. Galate, or I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I guess Glaive's system and Astralis in total has always made people look at least good. They've always looked great under his system. So Alexi B could be the one to bring that back. Uh, again, it's just mix and matching IGLs at this point. But I think considering Alexi B has definitely had tons of tastes with what it's like to deal with stars and how to play to them properly, it's not a bad pickup. All right, guys, we got a we have a lot of topics to move on. <laughs> Let's move yeah. on to the next one because we could talk about like, a whole two hours on this all fucking well, issue yeah. right here. All right. The next big thing was the Rio just announced today. That if we had the Twitter, if you could pop up the Twitter post really fast, uh, that they um they switched ven- they added more seats to the venue. If that, I'm being yeah. correct, one sec. Um, yeah, they like double capacity and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They they've increased it a bit, but I think the main thing for the numbers is that they're increasing the amount of days that they're going to have a live crowd. Well, it's a live crowd the entire way through, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, like every, every yeah, stage of the way. But I think so for, I just like obviously like don't, don't like to take the ground, but like with that every way through, for me it kind of seems like the setting up for like, just seeing them Brazilian teams fall out early doors right. because like they're, they're <laughs> waiting for it. I I have I have the Twitter since like we have IEM Rio's expanding to 100k fans over 12 days, live audience for challenges and legends, increased capacity with the 360 view. The fan fest of Gauls. Okay, more tickets. So, mm-hmm. Prague, I'll let you, since you're the bottom at the moment, I'll let you let's speak on this. Um, overall, I think this is a pretty big W. I mean, I like this whole fanfare thing with uh with the Gaulas thing because it's like if you're gonna take a chance on doing something with different with an event and try to get a lot of people involved, we're better to do it than fucking Rio, right? Like, there's not gonna be a place where you're gonna get that many passionate fans actually wanting to participate in something like this. Uh, so I think that's really cool. I love the new venue uh, idea, the fact that it's going to be like 360 degrees. Uh, hopefully it looks something kind of like uh, what PGL Krakow looked like in 2017. Because, man, that stage was awesome, right? The fact that it's just all around, it's this arena thing, kind of like UFC-like in a way, right? Uh, I don't know if there's going to be the same kind of like glass box things around the players, uh, the, the booths, but uh, hopefully. But generally, I think that'll be a really, really cool setting. Uh, now, obviously, I'm not planning on going to Rio myself, but it's good that they've given more more people an opportunity to attend, both by making it longer uh, and by also, you know, just adding more tickets, making it a bigger venue and all that. Uh, overall, I don't know. I think these are good changes. I don't think there's anything really to complain about. I guess, as, as Neokai mentioned, like, there's maybe the fact that not many Brazilian teams will attend or maybe they'll get knocked out early. We'll have to see. But overall, I think it, it'll be quite good, quite a good show. I think everyone would kind of agree on that, unless, unless Anthem wants to be the opposite of it, but I don't think you will. I mean, I, I, I got mean, a few things to say as well. If there I'm you going. go. I'll, I'll let you say it really good before I say it. Let Anthem Yeah, um, I, I also, I think uh, there's definitely an angle where hopefully they're, you know, they know what they're getting into a little bit, I suppose, right? Because it is going to be incredibly busy 
Um, and the sort of safe angle to take is that Brazilian fans can be quite passionate. So I think that, um, yeah, they, they will have to be careful on yeah. that front. And but I think it will look a lot better. Obviously, we've got a few nice optics angles for ESL where it's like, you know, you've you've opened up that back area. So you have the full capacity of the arena. Uh, when they say increase capacity, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, you were using some of the space. I, yeah, I'm a really big fan. I think actually the best addition is um getting sort of the the fanfare thing uh and the outside viewership okay. it's something that uh wimbledon for example in the uk because there's not enough space there's not enough space yeah. on the tennis courts to get everyone you know that wants to see it in there um so why not let people you know watch for, and the thing is as well it's like it's going to grow viewership it's going to get people who maybe wouldn't have gone now going and uh also people who are maybe not into cs get them into cs you know for the for the live event uh, angle so yeah i i actually think that that is probably the best part about this is that maybe we start to do that a bit more often with the bigger events and it just gets more and more people um watching and involved and etc etc i'm with script on this sort of at least in the sense of um of it being very big that they add more room for the spectators i actually don't think it's necessarily as big as a, a move because more people are going to be sitting there but a, a more so because of the viewership angle because it's so easy to get excited for a game. Even if you know jack shit about it, it's so easy to get excited, to get hyped up for a game if you hear the excitement there with you. And one of my mm. favorite events to always watch for that reason was, uh, I think it was IEM Sydney, which they haven't done in quite some time. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, it was awesome. some of the most highly viewed events, highly viewed clips come from that event because of how into it the crowd gets. That's what you're already getting in South America. And it was a very obviously needed change considering what the tickets sold out in like a few hours when they <laughs> yeah. announced it. So, I mean, the fact it didn't happen sooner is kind of surprising, but there is another thing that I think it's going to present a, an extra factor to that. We talk about South American teams and how they're probably going to get dumpstered out in the early rounds. I don't think that's true. Like I, I think with how pain have been looking recently, I don't think, I think it's not too crazy to think that they might make it far, even up to the legend stage, especially with the home crowd behind them. Now, there's the first issue of having it be in South America for South American teams because they're obviously going to have bias towards them at every step of the way, but more so the other teams going against them when you look at it, take it from somebody who went to an event where there was an entire French crowd cheering against you every time you got hit. It is very, very mentally taxing, draining, hard to focus, and hard to think when you have the entire home crowd against you. Every time they find an opening frag, every time they take map control, every time they flash somebody, you are going to hear people get loud. You are going to get in your own head quick. And those teams that have slight mental issues are going to collapse at this event. And the, it's not going to be said for the same counterparts in the Brazilian opposition. You've already got great Brazilian teams in Furia. And I, I mean, I'd argue Imperial's not great, but it, they're easily a qualificant for the majors. Same goes for Payne and all these other stars coming up in the South American scene. This is just absolutely massive for them. It's probably going to be the most CS or most viewed CS event ever. And it might have the most viewed clips of it ever because of the crowd. Uh, yeah, speaking, I mean, of clips, speak, wait, speaking of clips, speaking of clips, you know Nart's gonna be just killing himself <laughs> of, all, of all those clips that are gonna be available. Sorry, I got I got shout out to course, Nart right there. Of uh, go on, you okay? Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. I, I, I was gonna add. Oh yeah, go go for it. Now go there's one other part. And this, you know, Scriv and Neokai could probably relate to this, but the commentating in that event is going to be great, man. Yeah, I'm yeah, telling you, they are gonna get so into it. 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll link you guys this clip. I've got this one. I, you've probably all seen it on Twitter at least once, but it was in like a South American qualifier and a guy jumps out of he- uh, he- heaven on overpass and he nose goes through the box. And it was like Sharks versus Isaris or something. Like, you know, with a tier two, oh, mate, the commentating. They are like losing their mind. And like, All the Brazilian uh, commentators? Yeah, yeah. And imagining that in the, in the arena is going to be insane. Like, I, I, I'm, look, I'm actually looking forward to it. I think all in all, this is only positive to me. I mean, mm-hmm. it shows as well that ESL listened, which is the, the best thing. Because the first thing you saw when they announced the original kind of setup, where it was like 7.5 thousand people watching, the comments were flooded with, this is not enough. Like, we're like, I mean, arguably... I think it's even safe to say that Brazil is the most dedicated nation in terms of CSGO. I mean, they they are as hardcore as they get, basically. And they filled that thing out easily. And to double the capacity, even some would even say it might even be enough because of how dedicated it is. I mean, the viewership is going to be ridiculous. I'd be very surprised if this doesn't break records for viewership numbers uh, with in-person online just because of how good it's going to be. ESL obviously know how to run these big events. I think it's going to be really good. The arena as well, the Genesi arena is actually a really cool arena. I think I, I watched them... Um, it was like a, a Brazil play volleyball there. I watched them play. It's, it's huge. It gives me kind of flashbacks of uh, of Boston as well, which is also 360, if I'm right in saying. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, I mean, a lot of people argue that being the best major ever. So, I mean, uh, mm. that, that's really, really exciting. Uh, the thing you mentioned, I'm with, I had this conversation earlier, and I really kind of, I like speculating about it, is about the uh, the crowd. Like, obviously, Brazilians are going to be pretty hostile to, 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 you know, anyone who's not Brazil, which is absolutely fair enough. Like, I mean, we see it happen all the time. The Danish fans do exactly the same team, thing to anyone who's not Australis, essentially. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that I actually really like the thought process of because there's, I mean, if you look at how the RMRs are set up with uh, the, the qualification coming through, there's a lot of potential for some youngsters to make it through. Um, and you look towards the, the changes that have been made recently, like uh, Miles and XT, they're now basically Miles Academy, let's be perfectly honest, with JDC towards the desertion. They're all actually children, more or less. Um, <laughs> so, and, and you look at like the experience of, of a lot of these, even these people coming through, like the, the experience at the, the higher level on lands, because of COVID is pretty limited for some of these like young fresh guys. I mean, Manessi doesn't have a huge amount of land experience compared to, you know, your likes of Astralis are coming through. So, I'm really interested to see how this affects the youngsters because, you know, they always say like diamonds are made under pressure. This is where we're going to see which one of these young stars can really live it up when it matters most, when they have 15,000 people hurling abuse at them when they get a double, you know, a double kill or something like that. I, I, I really like the thought process behind that. I, I think it's going to be awesome. I think as well, they've done a really good thing with goals. He is the name and face of Brazilian CSGO. Like, he is the guy. Like, everybody knows him. Any stream, he could be streaming a black screen and it'll get 50,000 viewers. Like, he's actually, like, <laughs> he's actually the god. I, I don't know how he does it, but he's got the pull factor. Gauze is like, I never know what he's saying, but it's entertaining. So that's enough for me. Um, it's one of those things. I, I just think they, they've done everything right here. They've increased capacities. They have more fans. And even from a business perspective, it just needs more money for ASL. They're not complaining at all. They've got goals, which means, I mean, it's going to be, that's going to be a brilliant experience. So I think all in all, it's really positive. I'm really excited to see how this affects the CS though, because I just keep thinking about the youngsters. If like, if some of them crumble on the big stage, even though, you know, they're, they're very good online or very good in like a studio, for example, is it going to be different? Um, and then, you know, maybe this is where we're going to see where potentially someone who we didn't really think about could be a star because they can mm-hmm. compete. Uh, and also, you know, people keep, you know, shitting on teams like Astralis, for example. And if they were to make it through, through in, into to Rio, they're not going to be phased. So this is going to be the revitalization of Astralis, for example, because they don't care about 20,000 people shouting at them. They, they're used to that. They've had that for the last decade. It doesn't, doesn't phase any of them. Farley, to be honest, but uh, they, they in the grand scheme, this might be you know some of those old guard teams, maybe like your Imperials who have been in current terms not great, but they're so good with the crowd. I mean, I was on the desk from Melbourne, for example, 
and Payne and Imperial, the way that they play off the crowd, and for, I don't know why, but for some reason there was like 200, 300 Brazilian fans who'd flown to Melbourne for, for this gig. Um, but they were sick and they, they, they got a boost off the crowd and I think it's going to help them even more. I, I think Payne specifically, I'd be very surprised if you don't see something special out of Payne. Zevi and Skulls are two of the most talented youngsters I've seen in an extremely long time. They are insane. All right, so we're gonna. Uh, I'll let you finish it off, then we're gonna move to the next topic. Okay, I know this one's gonna win brownie points with you because I disagree with the point Neil Kai said about Astralis. Now I know Astralis are battle tested, are experienced, the whole nine yards. But Sadka knows as well as I do that does not matter a damn bit <laughs> when you get into a stadium loud enough. Case in point, last night in the damn Seahawks game. If people get right, loud enough, you can't, <laughs> you can't hear, you can't communicate properly. You've got to blow timeouts. Some people aren't going to be able to hear the calls. They're going to make misplays because of it. They're going to get caught off guard. That's why I think this is going to be a completely different experience than any event ever. You've never had this passion of a fan base at this size, at this kind of a place. It, it, this yeah. is something no teams are going to be used to at all. And, and that just gives the Brazilian crowd or the Brazilian team such wrong. a massive advantage. I'm not saying Astralis are good, by the way. I'm just saying. I, I, no, I'm not. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I'm, I will stand in that camp for a long time. Yeah, no, I'm 100% <laughs> with you. It's just had, the fact that it's like, it doesn't matter the experience. It's so hard to communicate and get all that oh, shit across had, the line. I had, to get, like I had to give him brownie points because me and him were watching that, that Monday Night Football game mm. and Russell Wilson just got screwed by Seattle. Bro, Dude, I the mean, noise. he couldn't call. He couldn't call. He, he couldn't they call. consistently got flagged for delays of game, for false starts, because yeah, it's yeah. just communication errors. Well, the, right. the Navi thing, right? When you could see, you, they could hear through yeah. their own comms, right? So, yeah, I got to give him a point for that. So, all right, we're going to move on to the next one. It's the, this got announced this week. It's the Blast Major, the Blast Major, the first one to 2023. It's going to be in Paris. So we're going to hit it off with Frog, get some points on the board. The Frog, hit it off. Uh, Generally, I'm really hyped for this. I mean, I think Paris is a beautiful city. I got the opportunity to visit last year, last December. Uh, fantastic place. I'm super excited to go because I missed Antwerp as, as well. And I'm not going to fly all the way to Brazil uh, on the other side of the world, sadly. Um, so super excited about Paris, super excited about it being the first Blast Major. You know, Wait, when you Paris? think back to frogs um so um yeah but super excited for for the first blast major because when you think back to their first events where they were super experimental you know blast was kind of hated for a period uh but you know they've stuck to it uh they've you know really tried to improve and, and now they make some of the best events in terms of production quality in terms of you know uh, even some of the formatting uh it's it's just super super cool. I'm super excited to to, to see that event. Uh, the fact that it was announced by the president of France as well, you know, is yeah. a big deal because if you look back to say uh, Valorant or even uh, League of Legends, right, and, and them hosting that event uh, in Iceland, you know, there was the cooperation with the government there and making all of that happen during the, the, the peak of the pandemic, sort of. Uh, the fact that we're getting governments involved in Counter Strike, you know, for me is huge because a lot of people think of CS as being like you know, it's the whole meme of dead game, haha, you know, or it being really expensive or difficult to run events uh, in Counter-Strike. And the fact that we are sort of seeing such praise, you know, such high, like, value by by a government and, and like, the prestige of, like, oh, yeah, we're excited to, ho to host this in our home country uh, is just super cool. Obviously, there's the whole fact that... Um, it's going to be in French, right? Not a lot of people speak French, uh, obviously, outside of France. It might not be, though. 
uh, it might it not i don't know it yeah. seems it seems potential potentially that might be the the case I, I don't know if it is it's unfortunate because you know more people will have traveled to antwerp given that you know from across europe people can go it's going to be in english people understand if it is in french that's a bit unfortunate i don't care i'm french canadian so that's you know it's all the same for me but uh yeah i, I don't know i i think this is going to be super high i'm really really looking forward to it i think it's going to be one of the best events ever hopefully uh so just damn excited for it to, to happen now is it, right, is go it to free rain here Oh, uh, you know what? I'll give the script because you haven't let her from in for a little bit. Then we'll go we'll go free reign between you two. Sure. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't have too much to say. I think you know uh, at least to add on, right? I, I feel like uh, it does have the potential to be probably like the best online major. I'm not quite sure. As as far as I'm aware, it's like in law, right? But there's maybe a chance you got the president on board or whatever. I feel like live it might be a bit weird, but at the same time. I've I've not been to too many super massive live events, right? Um, I don't know that you can really hear the commentary live that well, to be fair, when, you know, the atmosphere is going off and, and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think that it'll be like that. You're obviously going to go live because you want to see the teams. You want to see them up close. You want to be in the atmosphere of everyone cheering and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know that, you know, the commentary is a nice angle, but I don't know that it'd be a massive uh, make or break. I feel like this would be a great one for um, some some of the UK gang to get down because we can just like hop on the Eurostar and it's not <laughs> too far to get there. So I'm kind of excited for that. Um, and then also, I think as well, the, the big thing for me is that we talk about, you know, it could be one of the best, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have Rio, which is going to have this great, you know, crowd aspect to it and um you know the the kind of passion and energy behind it and then we'll move into another major that has a different sort of angle where the blast production and you would hope that they're going to be able to you know with the valve supported money pump a lot more of these creative ideas that we've seen them have over the past few years uh in into this product so i feel you know regardless of what is the best major ever is it e-league is it you know is it down to the games is it down to the production i think that we're going to have two banging majors in a row um and and hopefully yeah like post-covid it's been a bit of a scale-up really because i would say stockholm you know there were some technical issues which can take away from it not having like the desk on site and stuff for the whole thing and all that um and then you know antwerp's a little bit better rio should be an absolute banger and then the blast major is going to look great so i think we're in for a, a fantastic like six months of uh well a little bit longer it's like eight months or whatever of counter-strike um yeah, really, really excited to to see these two majors back to back. All right, I, I think you guys. I think there is a low key L to this event that nobody's really talking about, and that's that in mo. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> dude. I've always got to provide the antithesis to I know, it. But it's like when you open a sentence <laughs> yeah. like that, like, low key L. I was like, let me rephrase and let me rephrase. Go on, there me. is there are two ways to look at this. There is a big W, and then we've already mentioned with the French government, with the president, and everything being invested into esports, one of the only countries that does it. And the other side, which is the L of. There aren't really any good French teams. There's Vitality, and they're not even that much French anymore. That like, If you look at almost every one of these majors, there's always a team to follow that's probably going to make a deep run that's just pretty much majority one side in it being like, in Stockholm, it was NIP. In Berlin, it was big. Well, even though they didn't go very far. But Vitality isn't even very French anymore. Like They've got three of their core of French players, which obviously are going to stay, but that's it. Like you go down, you've got Falcons and Heat who 
let's be honest, might not even qualify for the damn thing. That's the question. And you don't really have many of those teams are going to be able to follow. I, I think it's just going to end up being another major at the end of the day, depending on the form vitality take. Because while we have reason to believe they might look good after pro league, this is about a half year in the future. Who knows? Maybe they make roster changes before it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they get better results. Maybe they don't. Maybe things change. I don't like that. I, I don't like that there's not much representation in France and not a lot to make a major out of it. I love that Blast gets a major. I think they're going to absolutely kill it on the production side, but I think it's severely going to lack in the crowd hype and investment into it because there's not going to be a big story team going into it. Other than, again, Vitality, which uh, I, they've, got a, they've got a fairly dedicated fan base, but past that, that's, that's like it. And, and Vitality could easily get out before the quarterfinals. I, th right. I think I'd have to hard disagree with that. I, I I just think, first of all, the Golden Hornets are one of the most, like, loudest, dedicated... <laughs> if anyone was there right. in Stockholm, you'd know them. They're one of the loudest. But also, you keep forgetting that G2... At, so, at Stockholm and at Antwerp, yeah. those guys were nuts. I was there in Stockholm with them. They were louder than anybody, and it's not in their country by any means. They had the hugest fan base. And because they're international, they get fans from all over any of kind of uh some of some of the those the regions that the players i mean nico's fan base alone is just ridiculous right manessi's gonna be bringing in that cis influence it's like generally speaking i i think the crowds will be fine obviously you've got to kind of follow the other suit is that blast and esl are direct competitors everybody knows this they're, sure. they're the best of the best of the biggest base blast have to beat them they know this esl are teeing this up to be the best major to ever be like no comparisons they've set it up perfectly everything from fans to the teams to the crowds the location everything is set up for this being the best major to ever ever be right so blast to the direct competitor who are directly following esl they have to beat them so they're going to do everything in their power which is why of course as you guys already mentioned kind of bringing on uh while having a you know, direct involvement with the president is huge because it, it kind of changes this this concept around esports and, and this thought process that a lot of things you know you speak to the, the generation above us for example and if you were to tell kind of, you know, your, your parents or, you know, to, you know, a family member, a distant family member, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a professional esports commentator or I'm a professional esports player. They just think like you're, you're some fat guy and you're in your mum's basement who just eats Doritos and drinks Mountain Dew. Like that's not <laughs> how it is anymore. Like <laughs> you, you, you see people like, you know, simple earning like 30, 40 million a year easily. Uh, and these guys live in huge mansions. Like it, it's a completely different philosophy now. So we're bringing on kind of the the, the president. It changes the, the the just generally how things work. And also on the other side, when you mentioned about Frog about the the French speaking, so that that's called the the Tuban law basically. And it means that in French arenas they have to speak French, but it doesn't mean everything has to be in French. I think it's going to be in English. I think the one thing that they'll get around it, how they will do it, which apparently has been done in the past, but I I can't. I don't know. I haven't seen it myself but they host in French. So instead of having James Banks, for example, bring it on, it'll right, be like, okay, you know, instead of saying like welcome phase, it'll be like bienvenue phase or whatever. And then blah, 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 they, they come on, whatever. It's not that, essentially. So it, I think the hosting will be in French, uh, but the casting will be in English because like Blast aren't dumb. They know it has to be in English. They know all the best, the best and biggest talent are English speaking. They know that's what the majority of people watch. It's the common denominator of a language in europe where everyone speaks i mean in in europe and generally speaking the world french isn't the most dominant language um so they want to go to the common denominator. they want to reach out to the most people they'll do it in in english i'm pretty sure uh or if they don't it might make it a bit tough but i, I think generally for me it's a bit of a dog like i think uh blast have arguably one of the best productions ever in the world i mean they're really up there it's like them or ESL in terms of the best, best production. I mean, we play, you could probably even make an argument for them, but, you know, not, not at that level just yet, but Blast one of the best productions. There's also a massive caveat, which is awesome. 
because it means we don't have to use Blast's shit system. We can actually use... We have to follow the Bouchalt's law. So the Bouchalt system, so we actually do Valve's system, which is great. We don't have to follow Blast's terrible system, which is perfect, because it means we can actually have a, a competent system of CSGO getting through, which is amazing. You mentioned, Scream, like the Eurostar for us is easy in England. Love to see it. Um, I mean, it literally is like, I think last time I took the Eurostar, I went to, to Brussels and it was 40 quid return. I mean, that is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like, love to see it. Uh, Paris is sick as well. I mean, I've been a lot of times. The city's awesome. It's really, like, involved as well. It's, like, everything's super central. So, like, the arena's not going to be, like, really out there, which I think, like, I remember when I was in Stockholm, the Avicii Arena, like, isn't actually in the city. It's, like, across a bridge. It's, like, kind of not really in the main thing, which is quite nice. Um, and, yeah, there's the other things, you know, the, the following up from ESL, but, like, also, PGL had their big upsets, you know, their, their, their audio engineer who was deaf, unfortunately, so, you know, he struggled a little bit. Um, but, uh, no, in the grand scheme, I, I think it's a, it's a really big plus. I think Blast have arguably the best production in the world. If we're going to follow anything like Lisbon as well, which was arguably one of the most insane arena things we've seen in the last three, four years kind of thing, uh, I, I reckon it's going to be all, all around a positive. And just because ESL are going to have to force them to go step it up a level, even more so, which then sets a benchmark for future majors. I mean, anyone who has to follow those two, like, rest in peace. I mean, I, there was conversations of Perfect World following it. They have got the most mammoth task to follow the two best uh, TOs in the world, basically. You know, right, for, I, just... oh, wait, 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 I saw Frog raise his hand up if, if you want to say anything. Yeah, I just wanted to disagree with Anthran regarding the whole nationality thing because <laughs> Stockholm, yeah, sure, Nip did well, but that was out of nowhere. Let's be honest; like, no one was expecting Nip to to win the whole thing or to even make quarters. If we're honest, that makes it even better. Uh, sure, but but the hype was not about ooh, the Swedish team is here, right? The hype was just it's the first major back. Let's go. Yeah. Antwerp had nothing like that. It was just oh, cool, another major, right? Like, uh, obviously now it's going to be a, a you can draw a contrast with the fact that hopefully there's going to be a lot of brazilian teams and hopefully they all do well in rio but i don't think the the, the paris major needs a, a french team doing that amazingly i'll agree with you like french CS is in a weird spot vitality not being full french anymore kind of sucks a little bit and and you know when you then look down to the second and third best teams right like heat falcons even ldlc they're not they're not there right like at best they'll be kind of like within the top 30 maybe they break in top 20 that's it uh but yeah i don't think that that's going to be a factor i think it's going to be a hype major uh you know neil kai mentioned the g2 fans you know there's probably still some old g2 fans that still oh, think kenny sure. s is on the team uh, <laughs> and they're just gonna go crazy in the crowd yeah. so i think it's going to be hype by the way uh I, I i don't know i'm just super excited for it all right, uh, we're gonna move on to the next topic because we have. A, we gotta, oh, never mind. No, we gotta move on. <laughs> no I didn't more. even have a contrarian point. No, 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 no. We gotta move on. <laughs> All right, and that last topic on this buy round is the ESL Pro League. We'll be hitting on the Group B because Group A happened a while ago. Uh, group B, uh, G two won convincingly over this bracket, and Phase got second in uh, Outsiders. And it's big uh, MIBR and. Uh, FTW got didn't qualify, so we'll start it off with Scriv. How, how would you so far? How would you like uh, any takes you would say on uh, the Group B and ESL Pro League so far? Uh, yeah, I, I think the obvious one is kind of G two coming first has really overblown an awful lot of you know the 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 story behind them whether this team's going to work out. The only really challenging team for them in this group was Phase. Um, they 
did indeed have a decent innings. You know, maybe you could argue outsiders, but I still think that they're figuring out their feet against, you know, the the higher end teams with these uh, newer additions. So I, that's one of the big things that I've seen, you know, all over socials. And we've talked about G2 and how great they are and everything, but they also have indeed that big following which means that they have a lot of kind of smoke blowers um and the narrative on this is like reddit and twitter level narrative but all the same it went from you know hooksy's gonna destroy this team to hooksy's goaded you know and all this because they haven't lost a game with him yet and i saw like um uh i don't want to call them out too hard because i think they do some good work but play gg they do a few you know like news things and uh, uh like nato Safix does some guides for them and stuff like that and I saw um, they on their Twitter posted like, uh, here's Munisi's stats before Hooksy and here they are after. And obviously oh, they're God. better afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It's like they've only had, you know, a handful of games, guys. Um, and, and some of the teams allows uh, Munisi to just sort of, you know, farm away and all this. So, yeah, I think that's one of the big things for me that's come out of this is G2 perhaps a bit overblown. Give me, give me the playoffs. Same sort of vibe. I'll, I'll save it. But same sort of vibe with Vitality as well. Uh, uh, EPL group stages. Yeah, go ahead. Go you ahead. Can, no, you can hit on Group A if you want to bring it up as well. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, they're the two teams it. across both the groups, right? That have, right? that have not necessarily overperformed, but people have taken their performance and extrapolated it into, you know, their now top five, top three teams or whatever. Sort of what it feels like anyway. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't really agree with that at this point. Uh, to stick with Group B, because I guess we'll let everyone sort of chime in on Group B and everything. Big, really disappointed, uh, to be honest. You know, they seem to be losing their feet a little bit. Um, not really bringing it to, you know, Outsiders is kind of the game there that's maybe a bit of a challenge, could get over. G2 and then FaZe are the ones that you expect them to lose, but they don't really bring all that much of a game. And then even in their wins, they're also dropping maps. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, unfortunately for, you know, Mr. Snake, of course, who who loves this team, um, I think something big's got to shift. And that's... Uh, pun i didn't mean to make but you know something something does have to really change in that squad can't just keep rotating around mibr and for the win kind of going how i would expect um mibr maybe a map off of someone else the map off phase is a bit wacky i guess i don't know how they managed to pull that one off so that's kind of fair um and then outsiders actually performing i thought that they would get upset by one of those lower teams or indeed maybe lose to big so the fact that outsiders make it in it's not a massive surprise, but I think is is fair play to them. All right, uh, we'll go to Frog. You can hit on both because uh, we'll, just, we'll group the ones that are kind of done, Group A and Group B, and then we'll go preview Group C and D next next question. So I'll, I'll let you start All with right. Group A and Group B. Uh, no, same same really with Group B. I, I feel like, you know, G2 and Vitality to an extent, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. It's really nice to see them perform the way they have so far, but um, I'm not convinced that, oh, you know, best teams in the world it's kind of weird to see both phase and navi stumble a little bit like both weren't looking bad by any means but they weren't looking as dominant as they have over the last few months i can't really pinpoint why it's a little strange to see that um with group b specifically i really thought big would make it through you know i, I i'm really liking this this change with them bringing keto back in uh it's it's really unfortunate honestly it's heartbreaking to see big struggle in that sense just because they have all the best German players, right? There are no upgrades now, essentially. Um, you know, their academy team is chock full of really young, talented players, and, and they're probably the best in the country now. But, like, where do you go from here, right? You have Tabson, you have Gobby, you have Sersen, who's by far, like, the best. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, if this is not going to work, what do you do? 
they've gone international so many times in the past. Uh, and I'm not saying they have to make a roster move immediately, obviously give it time, but it's just a little disheartening to see them try time and time again. And it just doesn't click when it needs to, uh, you know, it's, it's just super heartbreaking. Um, I was honestly sort of surprised with how well Fnatic did over in group a, I expected it to either be them or spirit, uh, cause both have looked pretty good recently. Um, and, and I, I really am a big fan of, of the changes within Fnatic. Um, so to see them doing so well is, is kind of surprising because I expected them to maybe come in third or something like that. But, you know, props to them. They're, they're really uh, hitting their mark so far. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of it, really. We were, I wasn't really expecting anything from For the Win, you know, hoping uh, maybe they, they like get a one map or something like that against a good team. But realistically, I think the groups have kind of just gone the way you'd think. It's just the third, fourth place teams that, uh, you know, could have been outsiders, could have been big, could have been spirit, could have been fanatic, right? But uh, right. I'm indifferent on group A. I'm very indifferent on group A. I honestly don't think Nobby should have made it through. I don't think they deserve to make it through. I definitely think with NIP taking it over them in the final, like in, in the final series, they did not deserve to take to make it through. And there's even an argument I could make about NIP should have even gotten in over Navi because if you look at the head to head, if you compare it with that. There's easily a world where NIP go over Navi and Navi fall to fourth place in the group, which I think makes way more sense considering how they perform for the entirety of it. If you look at the teams they beat, they only really beat the teams you would have expect them to beat. And even not more than others than that. Like they lost or they beat Fnatic and they beat Spirit. Fnatic, fair play. They look pretty decent. I'll give that up. But for Spirit, it's like par for the course. It's nothing surprising. And then they lost to, I believe they lost to Endpoint if I'm not mistaken. They did. Mm -hmm. They lost they to Endpoint and, and NIP. Like, that's just how how can they make it through the playoffs in that when I could argue NIP were punching up the whole time and still looked better than them while doing it. Now, that's my only hot take on Group A. I think everything else went about the way it should have. Vitality, they kind of surprised me. I didn't expect to see them go 5-0. So it's, it's a very welcome surprise. I kind of want to see them in good form again. My point still stands from earlier, though. But... For Fnatic, same thing goes. I expected them to make it with how like kind of top-heavy this group felt, at least, with how Fnatic have been rising. I'm not shocked to see them make it through. I'm surprised to see them make it through in second place, but, I mean, I guess that's only because everybody else did so poorly. On to Group B, I absolutely loved seeing G2 here. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room is that it wasn't a very it wasn't a very good group. Like you expected G2 and phase to make it through in the third spot was pretty much in contention by outsiders and big and which frog already hinted on the fact that big really underperformed in this event. Now, the thing I liked about watching G2 was that I, I don't know. I think it was the last time I was on the show. I called this out. I said, I don't think there's a reason to drop hooksy. His individual performance in blast was absolutely horrendous and atrocious. But I also said that, you can't cut him. He's never had a wake-up call like this, and it's not fair to like have, give him this wake-up call and then not give him a chance to try to respond on that, which he did. He drastically performed better in this event, albeit again against somewhat weaker teams, but he did well against teams like FaZe. He did well against teams like Outsiders, and he put up a pretty respectable stat line in the entire event and showed consistency throughout it all, which is a really good outlook for G2, considering now, Obviously, as Scribb said earlier, it's it's kind of hard considering there's not too much to go off of them, but some of the individuals look better. He looks better. G2 looks a bit more comfortable. They're taking good maps off of good teams. I think this is a really promising G2 and one of the most promising we've ever seen if they're able to keep this up. Other than that, very weak group. I'm with Frog that big. We're kind of meh, and I, I, I don't know if they need a roster change or whatnot, but what's their identity at this point? Like, they have so long been trying to like create this really good team. They've been in and out of what the top 10, top 15. 
they've never been able to consistently stick there. I think something I'm with Scribs, something big has to change because you can't keep just rinsing and repeating this. You can't keep saying, okay, well, we need to give them more time because I feel like rarely do they make these big like roster shifts and they never work. They like they might pump out a good event or two here or there, but it's always them pretty much falling behind the pack. If making it deeper into events, it's by the skin of their teeth and then losing in the first round of playoffs. It can't keep standing. If big want to actually start contending for world titles, which I mean, at this rate, they literally never will give them time or not. They will never make the top five. All right, uh, Neil, okay, finish it off, then we'll move on to the next question. Yeah, I, I guess I, I'll start with Group B from the bottom up um, because uh, it's kind of the, the, the talking point. So FTW, I think uh, I think people actually don't really understand the, the, the story of FTW, which is actually, I actually feel bad for them. I was there at a conference on the desk when they got through, and I think everyone seems to, you know, oh, like, this team is shit, they don't deserve to be here, how they even got here. But people don't realize that their two best players of Jerks and Story got poached by Saw yeah. right before this event. They qualified literally off the back of Jerks and Story. I mean, the performances that those two put up to tooth and nail drag this team to success is it, kind of the, the story of FTW, the first ever Portuguese team to qualify for Pro League. It was like this heartwarming story. But they lost their two best players to Saw because when Saw, with the buckets of money they, they've got, when they come knocking, you can't say no. They're arguably kind of top two with Movistar in the Iberian region in terms of kind of big prestige organizations. They can't say no to that. And of course, you know, off the back of those two have now qualified for the RMR. So fair play. But I think this is like an FTW side who have made, you know, two drastic roster changes in like a month. Lost their two best players in the last month, and I've now brought in. I'm not being funny. So Dodo, he's past his prime. He's not that guy anymore. He's not the the person who's going to carry FTW to glory. They just need a full reset. So I, I think people kind of like wrongfully shit on them in the terms of this is just uh, it's a, a roster that's all over the place. Uh, MIBR, same thing. I think they they lost their best player. Right, Cello was there. He was the guy. He's the IGL. He was the impact fragger. He was the uh, hero rifle. He literally did all of the main roles. He played IGL. He played every hero position. He was the rifle who got the best stats. He was MIBR's crux, essentially. And the fact that, you know, it now gone to Imperial, fair enough. Very good decision for him. But um, yeah, MIBR lost their best player and they lost everything that kind of like was the identity to MIBR. He was this fresh caller who brought this kind of nuance to MIBR, made them this kind of team that could compete for Brazilian CS. But, uh, you know, unfortunately... They don't have them anymore, so they're never going to compete for me. I'm actually, though, not surprised in the slightest that Big didn't make it. When I looked at this group, I I'm glad that outsiders are finally getting the respect that they deserve. Fame and Norbert in Tier 2 were two of the most promising players for a long time, especially Fame. Fame has been grafted and putting up like stupidly good stats. There was a point in time where Fame was averaging a 1.32 or something stupid like that over the case of like six months. Like... You know, those two have been grafting it out. They deserve the tier one opportunity. They finally kind of plug the holes. I mean, filling the boots of your Kindle is always going to be tough. Like, there's there's no questions asked. But these two have come in. They found stability in this roster. Outsiders actually look very, very promising now. Where for Big, for a long time, I know Maui Snake loves them. And he's a lovely dude. But I can't back on this one. I just don't think Big are that promising. I like the place that they tried to go for. But I think it's always very concerning when you're relying on the 73-year-old the Tabson to drag them across the line and put up these monster performances. That's always, for me, going to be the biggest worry where you're like, okay, a couple of questions need to be asked here. You spoke about kind of Germans who could be brought in as well. Uh, Frog, I think you mentioned it. The only one that I can think of that's outside, bear in mind, the academy, I think, are awesome. I really, really like this side. The only person I can think of that's even in the long, like the last kind of, you know, few months competed in the tier two, tier 1.5 is Spiddy, who left Sprout. It's the only guy I can think of that potentially could add to him, but he even wasn't great on Sprout. Let's, let's not beat around the bush there. So I don't know. It, it's very tough. Or maybe they could kind of poach the two German guys from Kiwana. I don't know. I, the changes need to be made. 
But uh, I don't really know where Big even go because I can't really think, apart from the academy side of who they bring up. Um, and then, yeah, G2 and FaZe. I, I think Hooksy, uh, it, it's very early doors, as Scriff mentioned, but um, he's it, getting some respect. I, I was uh, I, I scrolling back for a chat that I had with a mate from, uh, but on the, it was like on the 29th of the 7th, and I was saying, like, give him time and Hooksy will be fine. Because you've got to remember as well, Hooksy dragged a pretty mid Copenhagen Flame side to top eight of the major. Like, you've got to remember that. He knows his shit. Like, he knows what he's doing. I had a chat with DeVorborg, and I know him pretty well, and I was speaking to him, and he was like, Hooksy is the guy that you should focus on in tier one. He's the one who... Like, of course, you've got these youngsters like Zyf and the Yabby who are insane. Nikodos, who's just an absolute talent. Roy, he was obviously the hard carry. But Hooks is the one who made those kind of, you know, puzzle pieces come together. And he's doing exactly the same in G2. He's actually bringing them back down to earth a little bit, not allowing them to be very sporadic. I think they were very much all over the place at times. Um, they're kind of heavily reliant on individual stepping up. Everyone keeps saying, oh, Nico's not performing well enough. He's not carrying well enough. Uh, but that's not what makes a good team. You can't be relying on individuals to pop off. I mean, this you're kind of seeing this in Navi now. You know, simple as having a little bit of a slower performance, generally speaking. He's not dropping like a 1.5 every game and they're struggling a little bit. So I, I think overall, it, it, it's good to see kind of Hooksy and G2 actually playing pretty well. Um, phase, I don't think they're going to be too, well, phased about this, to be perfectly honest. It's fine. <laughs> They'll make it through. Um, just to, to touch on, on Group A, I think upset of the year, endpoint taken and down Navi. I mean, what a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only upset of the year that I think even challenge that is that Melbourne wings up just dominating OG. You know, that's the only one that I can think competes with that. But uh, I don't know. I'm pretty concerned about Na'Vi. I, I think just that on a side note, this sets things up pretty cool for, for the major in terms of, you know, you look towards Stockholm, it was only ever going to be Na'Vi winning that. Like, you know, nobody thought otherwise. I think like, most of us walked away with diamond coins there because it was pretty clear that Na'Vi <laughs> were going to farm that one. Antwerp, it was only between two, to be perfectly honest. And you could, it was like, you know, most people kind of had a good idea, you know, phase um, or, or Na'Vi. But this one, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's like that one outlier anymore. Na'Vi aren't this unbelievably scary team that you can't touch phase people are starting to figure them out a little bit is that going to be a problem and it's opened up the doors for teams to come through and cause a couple of problems so I, i'm quite excited i think i think it's setting things up quite nicely for the future where it actually makes really even more exciting because it's kind of it's hard to call um but yeah i, I think generally speaking pretty good I, i'm glad to see outsiders get through i don't know how far they'll go forward but i think the fame and norbert pickup are huge i'm, I'm big fans all right we're gonna we're gonna have the last question because before we kind of like eliminate a guy for points, but he'll still be on the show. Uh, who's going to be topping Group C? The Group C is Ents, Heroic, Astralis, Miles, Complexity, Heat. I think I can accurately predict this group in its entirety. All right, go to top three. Oh, top how, okay. how could you even just, top to bottom? Just top to bottom. Yeah. All right. So these are all... Very whack-ass teams, let's be honest. But I think if Whoa. there's any team that is going to be at the top of it by a long shot, it is Heroic. I could very right. easily see them in first place so damn free. Then besides that, after the performance we saw at Blast, sure, it was a bit of a, a bad exit, but I still think second place easily goes to Astralis. Beyond that, it's probably up for grabs, but more so I think it's going to be Mouse. Because... Uh, Complexity aren't that great. Heat, I think they have big consistency issues and never are really there to take teams off or take games and maps off of tier one. For Ents, they just lost their best couple of players and they really rode those guys to find success that was already not that convincing in my eyes. I don't think they're going to do well. I think without them, they're going to flop. So I think in order, this group goes Heroic, Astralis, Maus, Complexity, or I'm sorry, Ents, Complexity, Heat. I think that's how it goes. Scriv. 
Uh, I'd have to disagree. I, I think Ents, um, it's it's not, we could maybe, you know, give it down to slip of the tongue or whatever. It's not a couple of players. Hades was one of the most, like, inconsistent players yes, on the circuit, you. especially for a team Spinks? that, you know, at one point of the year. Yeah, yeah, Spinks is the one, but that's why I'm being nitpicky. Yeah, he the couple of players. Couple yeah, of players. Yeah. Okay, fine, um, fine, fine. So I, I, I understand, yeah. Spinks is a big one. It's going to be a shift for the Ents team. Um, I, uh, However, I feel like some Pius is a much better fit for the squad. You know, you've got Snappy, much more of a mid-round caller, right? Wants someone who's aggressive. Some Pius is vocal. Valde is very, very vocal. And, you know, uh, spoke to him recently and he said all about Danish comms and how good they are. So I actually think, for me, I think Ents tops the group if we're doing full sends not just you know who's coming top three who's coming bottom three um then this is where i think it's a lot more open now heroic you know they they for me it's like the yabby edition they had him at cologne it's not really lived up okay and this kind of goes this is a really sick i wanted to throw it in uh when we were talking about hooksy but this is a, a really sick alan hender take okay i gotta give it to him because he, he said alan it to hender. me while we were on indeed while we were on like the breaks and stuff uh, on our cast today um but here's the deal if yabby and if roy and nikodos and if hooksy are all good moves why were copenhagen flames not a consistent top 10 team there we go. Right, exactly. And they only made it so. There's got to be no. They made runs. They were there for at, like the three weeks, and, and then would drop out. Then, like, yeah, exactly. So what do you mean? They literally after they made that run at the major, they performed well at every event they went to. No, no online but, they were crap. Yeah, no, but not, they were never a top ten consistent team. They'd have yeah. like these three, four weeks. Hold up! No, no, no! Back up! Back up! Back up! Since when is being a good online team a good thing? Well, when it's the uh, vast CSGO. majority of their like follow up events. What do you mean yeah. CSGO? Every how do you, time okay, we talk Andrew, about it, how do you qualify for the major? Tell me. Every what, what time, every they got, time we they talk 4, about it, teams no, 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 on no, no. land. No, they no, haven't. No, 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 it's an no, online no, no, qualifier. No, no. You're every moron. Single Everyone time. is online. Every <laughs> single time, one of those online teams qualifies for a fucking land event. All anybody says is, "Oh, the rest online. Are they going to perform on land?" And now you're using it against them. You got to pick that. No, no, no. Well, they had a serious, a serious kind of. And look, we can talk about circumstances with complexity and. But but they they were and the thing is as well it was just at the majors right and yeah. the, I guess at you know the the RMRs that came prior to them that they'd perform well and they performed really well at Stockholm they performed decently at Antwerp right you know they they didn't necessarily overperform and indeed yeah the the online stuff it does it does matter especially when they were like coming bottom of ECL seasons and stuff yeah. there's, there's a, there is a difference between ah damn dude you know they're maybe looking forward to their next lan or whatever but they they seriously did uh like vastly underperform where we'd expect them to be online even even like prior to the stockholm major when they were looking good online mm -hmm. their form dipped like massively uh in comparison but look on on onto group c okay so i feel like there's got to be a move the point i'm trying to make there's got to be a move in there that's not good and i think yabby might be it unfortunately it doesn't really seem to have worked i think that heroic um you know they if we're talking about onliners they had a fantastic you know online time it's not really translated the past few offline events for them have have looked a bit flat they've not really done as well um so i i feel like heroic uh, this could be the tournament this would be a classic heroic tournament to do it in as well you know a sort of group stage where there's a couple games that they should be getting and there's a few challenges but it's not like it's the best teams in the world so this is why I think this group's actually really hard to to predict. You've got Astralis, who's on a good run of form. You've got Miles, who have got, you know, the the nice little uh, honeymoon kind of period, right, where they've added a few new players. And I think it is 
the move to go towards. I think it's going to go Ents, Astralis, Heroic, Maus, Heat, Complexity. That would that would be my full send in terms of what... But in, in that, that mid-table, there is a lot of room for upset. Um, to be honest. I, I, I'm not going to make a long point. I just want to say, Scriv, I will personally bet you $20 that, if Hero or that Heroic will beat Ents. I will personally okay. bet you twenty dollars. Your game, okay. your game, sure. In the books, baby. Free is twenty dollars in my <laughs> I, life. Frog, uh, you can go next because we have to All move right. on to the, the buy or save rounds next. So, so for me, the C in Group C stands for copium, right? I'm I'm full <laughs> huffing. Uh, I'm gonna that. double down with Mouse topping the group, right? I've been an NXT fan since that roster was made. The fact that it's pretty much all together again, the main pieces are back together. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'm a Zertion fanboy. I'm going to admit it now. Uh, I think this team has a lot of potential. It finally has the right pieces. It's finally, you know, there's no longer one inconsistent piece there. Sure, there's still Dexter's calling this, you know, a little touchy, but I think in terms of just the firepower is finally there. I'm just going to go all in. Mouse are going to surprise everyone. Somehow they top the group. Um, the second place oh, I'm going to go with... Good. Yeah, second place I'm going <laughs> to go with uh, Heroic, because uh, I think they probably will still be the most consistent. I think Yabi was probably a good pickup in place of refresh, uh, if I'm completely honest. And I think generally this team should do quite well now that he's had a bit more time to settle in. Uh, third place is where I'm a little bit more unsure, but because I said Copium, I'm going to go Copium again and go with Complexity. I think this team is actually going to look a lot better now. I know. I know. Take them seriously. <laughs> Can we remove don't? points for that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's gonna be a hard negative point. Uh, no. uh, we're all agreeing on this, bro. I lost a point for asking him who's in Paris, and he gets away with that. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I seriously think complexity will surprise people. Like, I, I, okay, sure, top three is probably uh, exaggerating, but I, I don't think they're gonna be bottom of the group as everyone thinks. That, that um, can go with. And uh, you know. Ents, I agree, they're going to look okay. Uh, Sun Pies, in a way, should be an upgrade over Hades uh, down, like, moving forward. I do really feel like Valde for Sphinx is not a good one-for-one, one, if I'm completely honest, but, like, uh, altogether, this... Yeah, altogether, this team should be okay. It'll take a bit of time to reinvent themselves. I don't see them having, like, an insane honeymoon out of nowhere. Uh, and, and Heat, while I like Jax coming in, I just... You know, they're always going to be a decent tier two team. I just don't see them topping this group. I don't see them doing that much damage. Like, yeah, sure, they might beat Complexity or vice versa. They might get an upset over like Ents or something like that. But I just don't think they're going to do insanely well uh, in this group. Cool. I, I guess I'll, yeah, I'll follow up on that. I, I think for, for me, I'm sort of so, somewhat similar to Scriven in terms of like, I think Ents will top it out. And I, I know kind of you, you were making your, your point, Anthony, about, uh, about some pyres, but. It's like for me, yes, they've lost their again, they lost two players, but one that you know, there's the only one we care about, of course, the vitality. Um, but people keep forgetting how good some pies actually was. He took Movi Star Riders to the sixth best team in the world. I think like that is really overshadowed a lot. And of course, it was a pretty team performance, to be perfectly honest. But some pies was the linchpin behind a lot of their success. He's so good at mid run calling, he's very, very good with the AWP. They needed a, just an injection of someone fresh and young. And if you're looking at kind of any AWPA from kind of tier 1.5 upwards of who can compete in this space and farm in this space as well, 
Some Pius was up there. I mean, he was putting up some ridiculous stats with Movistar Riders when he had to drag some of them through some 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 thick sludge of bad performances. The times where some Pius is dropping like just disgustingly good performances to give them even a map, right? So for me, I just feel like this should top the group out because of the the other crux that you mentioned, Screw about heroic i'm not like massively impressed with them like so far i just feel like i think yabby is as one of the highest skill ceilings of kind of anyone out about that scandinavian scene i mean he's so talented i think he really can bring um a, a ridiculous kind of a level to heroic but they haven't found it yet i i'm still not fully sure about heroic finding their form i think the change of refresh was good but yabby so far it doesn't seem like he's gelled properly around the rest of them i still feel like not there's a missing piece, but like a missing, I guess we use that word identity. They still haven't found that heroic that, you know, you look towards the online area, they were dominant, or even back in kind of, the, you know, Pinnacle Cup, for example, the, the Pinnacle Cup championship, when they beat Astralis, right? It was like, you know, it was heroic putting up good performances, maybe in a bit of a honeymoon. But um, as for me, I still think they're a little bit inconsistent, but because the group's kind of meh, they'll probably get second place. And then for me, the third place is quite interesting because you've got Astralis who took four attempts to get through the RMR, Granted, it is online, so, you know, different scenario. They had pe people like, uh, what were they called, like, Battenberg Blasters from the German advanced team who were, like, taken to double OT on overpass. Like, those kind of, those kind of games that you get worried, or Los Cagutos beating them in that third RMR, you get concerned about that, that's online, right? It, it matters, but they got, got through in the end. But Astralis, is, they're still pretty weak. You know, like, Farley has been inconsistent. Zipnex, I mean, buddy, fella. <laughs> It's time to hang up the Zimmer frame. Let's let's call it a day, mate. Like it's 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 been a good run, but they need to inject some kind of some youthfulness into the side because they've got the right ideas there. But Zipnex is not the guy who you need. I mean, I know he's got experience. I know he's not phased by much. I know he's got all the knowledge you need, but he's not pulling up the stats. He's not pulling it in game. I think Astralis are, are looking considerably weaker than they ever have before. I think, you know, when Device eventually joins back, it is going to happen. We all know it is. When he eventually joins back, this team does become something special again. Maybe we'll have to wait and see. But I think for me, as much as the milk toast is of kind of a enteroic Astralis, that seems like for me, like the most logical. The only reason I don't favor it, go in favor of Miles, even though I really, really like this Miles side, is that they are just still quite experienced. I mean, like the average age went from being like 26 to like 21 with like, Torzy, JDC, and uh, Zershan all being like 19 and 20 years old. So I, I think in the grand scape, they're, they're not that experienced. Not that that's a bad thing, but I think it's just that, you know, sometimes these young guys, takes a little bit of time to gel. Um, I think it's, it's very early doors to make a, great, a really confident call in Myers or Miles, even though I really like the Academy boys. And uh, I mean, I follow the We Play Academy League since season one. Um, I only want to think that if there's going to be an upset, it would be Heat, because as much as people don't like Heat, I really like Heat. I, I think they're a fun team. I think they're really interesting. I think they have th this kind of, uh, this imprint of French CS from way back when, like 2016 kind of imprint of CS. And they're sort of bringing it back into play. I, I think, you know, for me, you've got people saying like, Afro has been silently brilliant for a long, long time. And people keep forgetting his name, but if you look at the stats and look at the performances, and if anyone wants to just go and see what Afro can do, go and watch him at conference. He was brilliant, like genuinely one of the best authors in the entire tournament. Bear in mind, there were some big names at conference. He was stunning. And they had that French derby at the end to, where, where they took down Falcons. I mean, Afro can bring it. Jocko as well, as a support player, is nothing short of brilliant. And he can core really well. I think for me, this team is impressive. And then if they can bounce off the back of the experience of Jax, I, I think he potentially could cause an upset. It would be such a wild card. But if I'm not going to go milk toast, maybe he'd sneak a third. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, I, I, I don't see Complexity doing anything. To be honest. I don't think Horzerk's the saving grace to, to, to that team. I don't really, as much as I don't like giving him like the platform or quoting him, uh, I know Smoothia said uh, 
he, he like listed like 15 orbers that he thought were better and off the back of his like 15 i kind of agreed with like five of them that are better than Holzweg, but it's more of a role player so i can kind of understand but i don't think he's going to be the saving grace it's going to push complexity back into the forefront of the conversation get them into a deep running playoffs that i don't see that happening i don't feel like he's the, the firepower so i want to go and heroic and then it's between astralis or heat for me for for that third place that, that that's my that's my rogue call that he maybe sneak a third and they cause an upset but if i'm gonna go milk toast i just go astralis all right I... we gotta move we gotta move on because we gotta go to the buyer the buyer save rounds but we're gonna do a quick points on group d really fast who's winning it anthron group d oh, is group d yes we gotta move on winning it by like do you mean like top three or just number one top three top three top three top three is probably easily cloud nine liquid furia furia haven't been looking that great oh well okay looking that great is maybe a bit of an understatement but i feel like Uh, they've been inconsistent in recent memory liquid have been like killing it and showing a lot of signs of promise with Yakandar on the roster and obviously cloud nine is cloud nine they're always that consistent team they've always been looking at least good enough to take games off of teams like they're playing against and then eg eternal fire movie star without their star players two megalol all right, I think I think like this group kind of just sucks. I think everyone's <laughs> gonna say the same shit. Let's say who's gonna top the group because I think everyone says Liquid, Furia, Cloud Nine. If in my general consensus, is that correct of everyone? Uh, the yeah. only yeah, thing is is who tops it between C9 and Liquid okay. for me. Just okay. because. Wait, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. wait, 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 He's memeing, bro. I'll so, back, I'll back Scribble. No, no, no. It was there, it was there. I had to take it. I had to take it. Look, our saving grace. I yeah. think um, <laughs> the question between Cloud9 and Liquid just comes down to what happens on the day because I honestly could see a world where either one of those teams take it. It depends on what Cloud9 we see, it depends on what Liquid we see. I mean, there have been signs of both where Cloud9 implode, they don't look good in a map, they lose a series, they definitely shouldn't have lost, individuals don't show up and they just never get anything going. But the same can be said for Liquid, right? I, I literally think it depends on who comes out the gate first, who looks better on the day because it's an honest to God toss up. Like, I think you can run that game. 10 times and it'll be five different outcomes. All right, um, we got, we got, Anthony and Neilke are kind of safe for the next round, so you guys are good for the advance. We, we, we got to finish off the last, uh, between script. Says something stupid with EG. <laughs> got to minus the point there. I was joking. I was, I Let me give him my A power. Come on. I gave <laughs> him right, my right. pass. Now we're going to finish it off between script and frog who gets the advance here. Uh, We'll see you on the on the last scene on Group D. If you can give us an intake, we'll give a point before we got you got to advance. Uh, what? Who who's just on the top one or? We're not seeing anything insightful in Group D. Um, well, I don't know. I was just kind of going to say I think actually Liquid will uh, probably clean up here. To be honest, um, I think Yukindar's going to farm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Furia, maybe they they come out and surprise some people. I'm kind of agreeing with Anthran. That Cloud Nine are uh, sort of flat when it when it comes to the land. They've always been a bit, you know, weird and not massively disappointing. But there there seems to be a level. I definitely think they'll qualify, right? Don't get me wrong, but I think they will maybe struggle uh, against the stronger field of competition, and they might drop a map or two against uh, a Movi Star or an Eternal Fire, um, but not EG. <laughs> uh so yeah I, I don't know i don't know i'm definitely feeling that uh liquid are gonna top it and i think liquid are gonna clean up you know i'll put some money where my mouth is i reckon liquid will uh go 
clean through and maybe only Ooh. drop a couple maps. I don't think that was uh, a series. Yeah, honestly, I think this is C9's map or C9's group to lose, right? They should be the favorites given who they are, but I, I don't know. They've looked a little flat. They're 11th in the world now. And I know, you know, that's off of some sort of weird HLTV rankings for the past few months, but like realistically, they, they kind of disappear when when they shouldn't. And I as much as I know liquid choke meme, haha. Um, I actually feel like Liquid have only gotten better with Yekandar. Provided this, you know, is the roster moving forward, I actually think that um, Liquid might actually top this group. Uh, it, it'll probably be close, but I really think that, that Liquid win this uh, over, over C9. And then, yeah, obviously, Furia just coming in third. Uh, they, they should, anyways. Yes, uh, just to add something, I, I know I'm not in the I'm not in this kind of argument of points. The only thing that I think is the big talking point here is between obviously Liquid and, and C9 of who tops the group. But I think a lot of people are going to forget that C9 haven't played an official since Cologne Plains. Like it has been a, a long, long time, or uh, since uh, since um, Cologne even may I say, where they finished kind of ninth, twelve. They've not played official because they're not a blast partner team. They haven't been playing for a long, long time. Where Liquid have had officials under their belt for a long time. They've got reps in EU. They got reps against top tier teams. Where we haven't seen. What was the last time we saw them play? Basically, um, well, two months ago. Essentially, was the last time we saw them play. And so, who did they lose to? Uh, and, and then lo and they lost to Liquid. So you you you, you got to remember that you know not only the C9 lose to Liquid. That was two months ago. So, you know, I haven't then played an official in two months. So I know that, you know, some people, you know, they've been hard scrimming or whatever, but they have not been playing for a long, long time, which for me just made just, it, surely it has to be Liquid just for the fact that, you know, they have experience. I, I know that the team choke Liquid or whatever, but, you know, Yukindo has been picking up and they've got, they've got reps under their belt. Surely that's enough to carry NACS for once. All right, guys, we're going to move on. We're not going to eliminate anyone here. No, we're all gonna no, 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 one no. <laughs> I earned, I earned to hey, not be eliminated last. That shit's yes. not going to fly. All right. No, no, Rock, paper, scissors, right the fuck now to see no, who's no. out. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But now Heads or we're tails, who's calling? We are going to do a re uh, these buyer save questions. Two will be eliminated, though. It's a clutch ah, round. Okay, okay. What the fuck, right. man? That's yes, yeah. I'm being I'm being nice. All right. Being nice? If it was me, me there, you would say I'm out. No, no, no. I gave you 21 points. What the fuck you said liquid? I gave you a point for that. Your second point. <laughs> I just I was at 21. I asked Frog a question earlier and lost the point. <laughs> All right, you're fine for now. All right. These are one one response questions by or save. Buy is you agree with the statement, you agree with it. Save, we change it to save. That's you disagree. So it's like buy or sell. Now, I'm going to say a question. You say you buy it, and then you give a response, get the points. We'll move it on to the next guy. First first one, we're going to give it to the guys with the low points. We're going to give the script first. First one on the buy and save. HLTV rankings just came out. So obviously, it's FaZe and Navi or 1 and 2. But is Liquid a top three team at the moment? Do you buy or, or, buy or save it? I'm I'm a, I'm a save on this one, guy. I think that they can be a solid team, uh, but definitely not at the moment, to be honest. You know, the, the, the quick spin on the whole ranking thing is it's been a bit weird. There's been some retroactive points added in, you know. Um, as Neokai's kind of touched on, we got a few of the Blast teams, right? The format's one thing. The other thing is you can really play with the system a little bit, especially at these months of the year, post-player break, you know. 
Um, so yeah, I think that Liquid have kind of benefited from that uh, a wee bit. So uh, on on a on a quick, I don't I don't think they're a top three team in the world yet. But maybe my crazy Ooh, take yeah. is that in in time, uh, perhaps they could get back there. I think they're going to get close by the end of the year. I think they're going to get close. I reckon I could see them finding a top four at the major. Um, not a guaranteed on that, but if the, if this upward trajectory continues, we get some vintage NAF, some vintage Elige. OC's starting to you know get a bit more comfortable against the top level teams. I think that this could actually be a really solid roster by the end of the year. All right, uh, Sfrog. Um, I'm also just going to save on this, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't know, like. <sighs> Uh, it's just kind of as Scriv has done, uh, has mentioned, uh, it's just, it's been weird. You know, some teams haven't been very active. Others have. And because of last format, you know, it might give you a few more points than you'd think. Uh, I, I don't think Liquid is top three right now, but I don't think there is a very much defined top three team. I don't even know if there's a top two now, given how kind of shaky both FaZe and, and Na'Vi looked. So, um I think it's really up in the air. I think Neokai mentioned earlier, right? Like this is kind of anyone's major. There's a lot of teams coming out of this uh, roster shuffle looking really good. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of anyone's game right now. I think the the few events leading up to the major are really going to kind of show where everyone sits. Uh, and then we'll see like, yeah, okay. The, these two, maybe three teams are actually like the best right now. Let's go. Anthrone. I am a buy. I am 100% a buy go. on this. With how with how weird it's been in these top in these past couple of days, you come out of the player break and maybe there was a couple of games liquid lost they shouldn't have, but at the most part they did well at blast. And I think they're in a group to even like more so boost that confidence since they had Yakandar in this roster, they've looked extremely good. Any series that they have lost since bringing him in, you run it back, they easily could have won it. The the thing is, I think we're looking at this the wrong way. Now the question for me is who can't liquid beat and right now i don't think there is a roster other than maybe phase that they wouldn't be able to take down with how they've been looking now before they brought in yakandar the biggest issue on my mind was consistency because they had a leash who was doing good every now and then but you could still see him mentality was destroying him he wasn't performing well on some maps and liquid really missed that consistency at almost every step of the way i, I mean you could have always looked back and saw a fragging disparity or a big issue in that department. Now, with Yekandar, almost every single game dropping big bombs takes that pressure off Elige. It takes that pressure off somebody like Naf, who doesn't need to make star plays anymore, and he's even looked a lot better since Yekandar's come into the roster. Same goes for Osi, who's felt more comfortable. You can just see the elevation in every single player since Yekandar's arrival because of that release of pressure, because they don't need to perform now, now that this kid is. And the same thing goes for him, where he feels comfortable, he gets to ball out every game and his team is supporting him doing it the whole way and that's what i really think means or is needed in this top three right now maybe there's a bit lackluster data because vitality could easily be in contention for that spot right now but with the lackluster amount that we have like i just said on them considering we've only seen them in a couple of games i think liquid are most certainly easily contending for that right now especially with how they've looked okay Okay, so i'm full save but i kind of want to give the arguments to both sides because there is like a conversation here the, the first one which has to be said is it's all on kind of matches played like for, you know i already mentioned the c9 example you know they haven't played in two months literally well two months and three days the last time they played you know the teams that are in blast they get points because they've been playing officials where other teams haven't so you know already you have kind of a moments of like that and generally speaking hate going off hltv is not the way it should be done i, I feel like that conversation is so outdated yeah, yeah. like even look at some of the teams in the top 30 now for example 
as much as I love Asian CSGO, Wings Up are not the, one of the 30th best team in the world. I, I don't care. <laughs> a, a CIS pug mix would have a good a go against them. I know they took on OG, and I like Asian CSGO, and I like Wings Up, but they're not a top 30 team. Or, for example, 9Z. They're like 23rd in the world. They have four players. They don't even have a team. <laughs> <laughs> they have four players. So it doesn't make sense that you're talking about, oh, you know, uh, you know, HLTV rankings. That's the way to go off it. It isn't. It isn't the way to go off it. Um, uh, for, for me, I, I feel like that's not the way to look forward. Um, I, I do think that Liquid, though, they have started to find that, some form. They were very complacent for a while. I think it was kind of all over the place. Now they're starting to find this form again. Alicia's stepping up. Their core of fraggers, in fact, are stepping up. Your Kindle's been putting up these monster performances. It's really, really good to see. I think another guy who was set up for so, so long, and I'm glad that he's finally getting the limelight as OC, he's a stunning author. Like, he's genuinely mechanically very gifted. He was graced by, by the gods himself. He's very good with the big green. Um, but I don't think they're a top three because you look at some of the other sides who are outside of the top three. G2 are better than them. Vitality are better than them. You can even make arguments for teams like, you know, even some of those others like Ents and whatnot, potentially having runs where if they do good at, uh, at EPL, they could they, they should do, surely deserve that, that spot. I'm not saying they do right now, but they surely deserve the spot if, if they have a, a decent runs at EPL. But what I'm saying, generally speaking, you shouldn't go off HSTV rankings because they're not right. You know, 90 yeah. four players on the 23rd. But I, I, I'm a big yeah. save because I don't think they're the third best team. I think Vitality is still better than them. I think G2 are better than them. Uh, yeah, and, and it, as well, like there's a massive massive comparison between one and two even though i know navi are being kind of meh at the moment but it go it kind of looks like for the long shot it's kind of you know tier one is kind of navi and phase really steaming above the pack and then everyone else just clambering for spots below them because no one seems to be on a consistent basis keeping up on their tail they just seem to be a step ahead so i think third place is just a bit of a shit show anyway to be honest because it's just like <laughs> who's the best of a bad bunch but i don't think they're the third best is the best way i can put it Mm-hmm. All right, now ne- next question: buyers, buyers save. We went, we went on a question last time of Hooksie on G two, and G two just won like like ten matches in a row, looking pretty good. Kasad says that G two will not win anything in this current season with this roster. Do you, you buy or do you buy or save G two winning anything in the current season or like in the, like with this current roster? I think that's a bad way to format the question. I'm just going to start that off. I know. <laughs> it's well, a very safe... Kassad's got a very safe take there, bro. It's like, yeah. you know, here's a, like a time window, a little bit specific. You know, I think by win anything, he obviously means like uh, trophies, right? So uh, silverware. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start it? with this. Uh, you I, can, you, can, you like... can start with it, but I was just wondering if I could reformat the question. Yeah, uh, if you want. Me... Do you what? buy or sell G2 winning? Like, no, I think no, that's such a bad now. way to put it. Winning uh, okay. what? Winning events. Does G2 <laughs> win events, buy or save? Uh, okay. I, I, yeah, I can get behind that. Um, All right. So, off. do G2 win events? So, we're kind of spinning. We're moving away from Kassad's, right? Do they win events? I, I don't buy that. I was going to agree with Kassad, basically, right? So, All right. I save. save. Um, yeah, I just, I just think that, you know, we're, we're putting a lot of pressure. Okay. You got the, the big three, uh, the, the boys, Monacy, Hunter and Nico, they're going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting. I think that Hooksy, it's cool. It's the style that they prefer. Nico's going to have to have, you know, these lights out performances like he did at the Stockholm major, which is already, 
super difficult. They didn't win there. Um, you know, he had to literally like kind of carry his team 4v5 all the way through. You could even maybe argue like 3.5v5 in that event. Um, probably should have been awarded with like the MVP or whatever, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, I think that Hooksy, if we're also visiting that, you know, is is this guy, is this roster going to get them anything? I think that he and his numbers, unless he starts getting super comfortable or if, you know, Munisi and Nico are hitting insane numbers, I think that his negative numbers will cost them victories, right? And at the tail end of tournaments, a semi-final against FaZe or Na'Vi or even a Liquid, right? Or even a Vitality if this form is to continue or maybe like a Fnatic could possibly contend against them if, you know, it's like Hooksy's playing bad and, well, Nico's playing okay. Munisi's playing pretty... You know, there's a lot of things that need to go right for them to complete a tournament, let's say. So I can kind of get on board with what Kassad is saying, and I don't think that they're going to pick up any silverware with, with where this team's at. They they need so many things to go right, and uh, yeah, when they're playing against, you know, the top five best teams in the world, however that tends to pan out, because we, we talked about that, obviously, like there's, you know, there's one, two, it's not as big a spread as it was, right? This, this time last year, it looked like these are our two best teams. What's going on everywhere else? There's going to be some moves after the major, you know, you, you got to bear in mind the major was a little bit nearer for stockholm as well so they were you know waiting etc etc so i just feel like yeah they're they're gonna look good they're gonna have some decent you know results and whatnot but i think that they will get to crunch time and one player sort of half shits the bed or hooksy even is another consideration that he gets further into a tournament than he's ever been and I think that they will see the ground kind of fall out from underneath them against, you know, the best in the world. There's maybe a chance, this is why it's a difficult question as well, because there's maybe a chance that, you know, Na'Vi or FaZe uh, take out all the competition, then lose their semi-final <laughs> in some crazy upset against like Furia or something, and then G2, you would expect them to beat Furia. So the, I'll give, <laughs> I got to give myself the little caveat, but <laughs> I don't, I, if, if everything goes to plan, they won't be winning anything this season. And I'd say that for me is until the end of the year. Rog, I uh, I agree. I'm saving as well. Uh, although I have to start it off with what the fuck is Kasad on about? In that he's advocating <laughs> for for JKS to get on this team. I don't remember if he pushed hard for Hooksy or not. I don't remember his stance on the whole IGL situation, right? But like, what, what bro? Make up your mind. Um, I, I agree though. I don't think this roster is going to win things out of the bat like it's possible kind of as Scrib just said with you know say epl right if it gets a little kooky towards the yeah. playoffs and you know the favorites are eliminated or something like that and it's like okay yeah it's them versus another decent team like i don't know like liquid or something like that right okay sure potentially g2 could could win epl or you know an event leading up to the major just right after the major where maybe the top teams are a bit more complacent maybe they're feeling a bit burnt out whatever i mean they shouldn't it just came off a break but you know it's possible that they win an event but i just don't think they're gonna suddenly be like the favorites i think this roster will be really good could contend for titles but it's going to take a bit more time um you know they're looking better already i'm gonna give them that and i think these pickups were good in that sense 
but it's just going to take more time. Hooksy's going to need to figure out what the fuck he's doing in terms of fragging before I could even really consider them like, oh yeah, no, the, now they're looking in winning form. Because if you draw like a comparison to, to FaZe Clan, you know, sure, Kerrigan doesn't put up huge numbers, but by God, does he fucking make up for it with the fact that he's so experienced and probably the best in-game leader. I'll mm-hmm. say it, the best in-game leader of all time in Counter-Strike. Um, and he puts in a lot of work. I'm not saying Hooksy doesn't, but he puts in the work to, to actually like stay on par with most players. Uh, I just, I don't see Hooksy doing that yet. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He's probably just still settling into the team. And the fact that everyone else is looking much more comfortable than they had is great, but I just don't think they're going to win something immediately unless it is a bit of a, well, you know, asterisk. Oh yeah. That, this little condition of like, Oh, they just kind of got an upset win over somebody else. And boom, you know, they win some smaller event, but, I just don't see them say winning the major or winning like convincingly winning a, a big event by by hey, the friend. major. I'm a buy, hundred percent. I am oh. a buy on G two. <laughs> there is no question in my mind that they have what it takes as it stands to perform against the top level. Like we just saw Hooksy play consistently. I, I again, your only caveat <laughs> you've got is that it's a fairly weak group. That doesn't explain him not only carrying up his weight, but doing well and allowing other individuals to do well against FaZe, who we have just toted as the like one of the two teams. Right now, this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at G2 are looking good. They just beat FaZe in a pretty comfortable fashion 2-0. They just swept the group without really shaving too much hair off of their head. Navi's not looking that great. Vitality's a big question mark. Who's going to stop them? Because it's not realistic anymore to say Navi or FaZe is going to stop them. With how Navi's looking, that is nowhere near a surefire at all, if even close to a guarantee. If you look at FaZe, they kind of fell off a little bit. I'm not saying entirely. Obviously, this result could flip around going into playoffs, but people are not giving enough credit for the amount of stride G2 take in like two weeks off time. Hooksy came in, didn't look great, had the wake-up call, and this entire event was doing fine. Not only fine, but I'd say good for an IGL, especially for the little time he's had on the roster. The only question mark is JKS, but he doesn't need to be good anymore. Like, considering how well the individuals in this event have played around Hooksy, there is no more question in my mind. This is what G2 is supposed to be, where anybody, uh, I guess, albeit except Hooksy and JKS, any one of those three players is picking up the slack for one another. And they did that this entire event, whether it was Nico, whether it was Hunter, whether it was Monacy, everybody always delivered. On every map, if somebody didn't deliver, somebody else did. That's what G2 needed because you always felt on paper that that's what should have been happening, but it never did because you had Alexi B not necessarily delivering. You had uncomfortability in the system. You had Jax, who was never really that ace in the hole. There is no question in my mind that they are going to make it far in EPL and if not, win the whole damn thing. All right. Neil, okay, finish this question up before we move on. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's actually very difficult for me to kind of lean kind of either way because just because of the question itself, kind of, I, I know what I was trying to say, but when you look, you know, is this G2 side going to win anything? What is there to win for the rest of the year? Aside from you've got, you've got three things, well, two things essentially that there is to win and three, you've got pro league, the major and blast finals they're the, they're the only things that they there is left 
And because of how out there everything has been at the moment, it gets very difficult to say there's no distinct best team anymore. There's no distinct one side who is so much more dominant than everyone else, as we've seen in kind of previous majors. And even, you know, people try and make this argument about face still being the best. Well, it's clear that they're not consistently the best because G2 pulled them apart. I know there's kind of everyone's talking about this honeymoon phase. And I, it's a very valid point because you've seen a lot of teams go through honeymoon phases and put off ridiculously good performances. Um, but I, I think Hooksy has been looking or has been looking very, very sound as a caller. He's, for me, making the, the rest of the team a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident. They're Because they're, they're confident, they're consistent. That was always G2's biggest thing. The inconsistencies plagued them on, a, on just a regular basis that we can never have them in that conversation of the best team. Because it'd be like, okay, but are they the best team today? Now, finally, they're looking consistent. 10 and 0 is a very good start benchmark to be okay. There's a, there's a fairly decent conversation around this team actually being pretty good. We've got to see what they can do in playoffs, of course. But um, I, I think so far, so good. I, I think they have the potential to win things. It's just such early doors. And with like how much of a kind of a, a clusterfuck the top scene is right now, with kind of, you know, Navi looking weaker than ever, arguably speaking, since like the Edward days, to be perfectly honest. You've got FaZe who are now starting to lose on a more than regular basis then it, it opens up this gap at the top for potentially teams to fill it in. And then that's when you look towards teams like G2 and Vitality. If they find a bit of, you know, brilliant form, they could take a boss finals. They could take a, I'm not saying they could take a major, but there's definitely an opportunity around them finally being able to close one out because I know they've been, they've been looking for it. Um, there's no clear best team is the best way to put it. But the, the way that they dismantled phase recently is proof in the pudding that this team has what it takes. Vanessi's popping off. They're playing well. You mentioned JKS. I'm throwing a really good point to bring up as well. Is This is no longer JKS as a stand-in who needs to prove to everybody that he's actually a good player. So has to put off, you know, 1.4 ratings. Be like, you know, guys, buy me, please. I am good. I promise. Like, he's, he's, got, he's got the contract. He's chilling. So now that he's comfortable, he can play his game. He can be that supporting utility player, not that hard carry who needs to drag these NA teams through to success. He actually can just be himself and play around the system that Hooksy built. And I remember, as I remember, as I said earlier, Hooksy took a very kind of mere Copenhagen Flames team to top eight at the major. He has the, the enough in him to be able to do it. The only caveat to it for me is, I know it's still the Hooksy argument, but not everybody's Carrigan. Being able to make a top international team consistent, basically only Carrigan's done it. No one else has been able to make an international team consistent at the top level and i know this is you know 10 and 0 but it's still not enough data to say for definite this team can win things i think they have the potential the youngsters like monesi coming through is just ridiculous jks plugging a gap nico being nico you know arguably you know some people make the argument of him being the best rifle ever right so you got all these arguments it's just the fact that making an international roster consistent in the top three is difficult and basically only Carrigan's been able to do that. So that's the only thing that would make me save, but I'm going to lean in favor of buy because it seems like so far everything is panning out for them to have success and to plug the gap at the top because Navi and FaZe are starting to just, you know, shake a little bit on that ice and it's getting pretty thin. So I think there's definitely a world, I don't think it's out of the argument to say that G2 can potentially cause, you know, a bit of a ruckus at the top and potentially take a, a trophy. But I, I don't think you can securely say for definite G2 are the best team in the world. G2, you know, 10-0, oh, hooksy, giga chad, this like dumb meme. It, it's, mm -hmm. you, you can, it's not that, but I think there's definitely a proof in the pudding. It's just where they can find consistency because Carrigan is the only IGL ever to do it at the top level. So that's the only right. thing, you know, there's no one to follow. Next, the next, the next topic we're gonna hit on. Uh, the EG's, uh, the party astronauts lineup just won the Fragadelphia over the weekend, but there was a conflict of in interest that happened that both EG teams were playing at that event. Should both EG teams be allowed to compete in the same tournaments? Buy or Never. save? We, 
<laughs> you don't even have to ask this question, bro, because everybody's going to say the same thing. Save. Everybody says save. Yeah. Well, uh, Frog's not waving at all yet. We got to wait for his Frog response. just said, no, Frog I, just agreed. I, I agree. I'm here, I'm yeah. here. It's, it's huge conflict of interest. Can we all gentlemen's agreement to skip this? I, <laughs> I mean, we might be. Gentlemen's agreement. They all get a point. Yeah, sure, sure. Can I say one thing? Okay. Mulligan um, question. Yeah, okay, okay. Let, just, let just, just, not, not points on the line, just one thing. If people want to understand why this is a problem, go and watch Richard Lewis's video. Yeah, he yeah, literally yeah. explains it to perfection. It's if there's ever a possibility, it's a conflict. That's the, the right. best way of putting it. Yeah. There's no, there's no possibility. I know we saw kind of people like Maui and uh, and like Striker or Prof kind of making these things like, oh, but you know, it's a nothing tournament. It's the precedent. It's not the fact that it's a nothing tournament. It's not the fact that it qualifies for nothing. It's not the fact there's no points in line. It's just the fact that there's a world and a possibility where they were in the same bracket. E.g., yeah, yeah, PA yeah. and CD yeah. would have played, nearly played in the semifinals if CD didn't shit the bed. There was a world right. of possibility where for a final spot they were playing each other. That is a conflict. Because CD, if, if CD did anything sus, you know, one round where they threw, what is the first thought that's going to everyone's mind? Oh, well, they want PA to get to the final because PA have got to prove their worth. The yeah. conflict is there. It's, if there's a potential, don't risk it. I don't see why they would. I, I will give everyone a point because everyone agrees and everyone has a, everyone's going to say the same, the same thing. Yay, inflation! Yeah. Everyone gets the same point. Inflation, baby. We're living with it right now. All right, the next question, uh, it, was, it's an, it was Apex. Apex kind of just bombed out of the RMR. The qualifier and as well it bombed out of frag because they had like they're one they were like propping like we're gonna go to frag and conquer this stuff does this team survive to the next player break what they gotta do with the span anything we'll go with frog right here uh yeah i'm gonna sell uh, there's no way they make it to to the player break <laughs> with this five there's just absolutely no way in hell right um i said it last time i was on the show the average age for this team is absurdly high uh <laughs> and i get that, that could be a good thing with them, you know, having all this experience. But Stiko is going to take quite a while to get really comfortable and decide what his system is as an IGL. Um, you're bringing in, like, a lot of different visions and stuff like that. There's, yeah, there's JL, but he was, what, like, 22 or something like that. For, for him to be your sole young star carry, it's just not really going to work. I, there's just not enough longevity with how old these players are. Sure, could they continue to do well in Tier 3, I guess, but given what Apex has been trying to do, right, they're trying to get, you know, establish themselves as a really notable organization outside of, outside of Norway, I suppose, right? They want to really get internationally recognized, and bringing in people like Shox is great, for, for brand awareness and stuff, it'll, it'll turn heads towards you. But you're not going to consistently win titles. You're not going to be a top 10 team, not with this roster. There's just absolutely no way. Griff? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think as well, like just to sort of add on to that, I'm, I'm on a save uh, with this or well. Yeah, so I, yes, they're not going to make it to the player rig. Um, because I just feel like, you know, some of the players on this team will want quick results, especially Shocks. He's making, I mean, they, they must have some cash, right? Because <laughs> he's kind of coming uh, quite far down, I think it's safe to say, and their immediate results have not really been that great. Uh, Jacob, um, I think he's probably got to go, to be honest. He maybe looks like one of their better riflers, but it's just not enough uh i don't know man i don't know the the big one the big one to point towards is is definitely got to be stico for me though uh, kind of reiterating on what frog's saying but also you know you got to look back to the team's mouse who's like the first one to go um onto the fpx which 
before that was God sent. He was like the, the well, even into no chance was did he even make yeah. it to to God sent? I don't think. I think Madden came in to replace him, right? So, um, you know, he was the first one to go off of that squad that you know maybe had legs and things like that. I think unfortunately he is always one that you look towards as eh, it's a like for like numbers change, right? He's a supportive element, but. He's not the best supportive element in the world. He maybe doesn't bring an awful lot of the sort of intangibles to the team. So I think he's definitely got to go here because I'm not really sold on the in-game leading kind of style. This team, on paper, JL, pretty hot prospect coming off the Mad Lions, you know. Nork's got experience from the top level on NIP and still pretty young. Jacob, Shox, Stiko, you know, Shox and Jacob especially have played in some of, you know, the not... Mm, Jacob maybe not the best lineups ever but shocks definitely right you know this guy is is incredible the the ceiling that he's had in the past I feel like this team should be hitting the ground running they're not uh they're gonna want quick results and you know you have a way more potential and Cuban as well is a pretty uh, well-rounded uh coach so I feel like they have to very quickly make a move because otherwise it's just gonna start sinking and yeah these players will want more out of this and if it's not going well, mindset, all that, and you know, shocks especially, you'll probably be like, you know what? I'll take my uh, my cash. Want to keep compete competing, sure. And then maybe he'll just be like, you know, after my contract's up, I'm just gonna go stream for a bit, or I'm gonna join some mates and go and play for Heat or Falcons. You know, some of these players and help out the French scene. I just think that they have to be very, very quick on the sell here um otherwise it, it could just be a, a sinking ship and it sort of capsizes to be honest and for me like I say the two big ones you still got potential with jl um so i feel like you got to get rid of stico switch things up just bring in more fragging if you want to make tier two work you don't need the the best in-game leader in the world just get some bigger numbers and then jacob would probably be the other one for me as well yeah throw this is an easiest sell of my life, honestly. And I don't think people really talk about shocks enough in this roster because it is literally just a head changer. It is literally just, it's not a head scratcher, I guess, considering he was up for free agency, but you watched him at frag. You watched him in the player cams. You watched him after he just wasn't that invested, man. I mean, at this point, it feels like he understands his career is coming to an end. He doesn't really put as much time into the game anymore. I, you can very obviously tell he doesn't have as much care for it. And that's no disrespect to him. Obviously he's a legend in the game and you can't discredit that, but I mean, ever since Liquid went, ever since he comes into Apex, it more just feels like it's a PR stunt than anything. And that's not going to align. I also don't agree with Stiko me needing time either. Like, he's been in this roster for eight months. And sure, yeah. albeit you bring in two big names in JL and Shocks, maybe that can change. But historically, it hasn't. He's had Jacob for a while. They still haven't really done anything. Apex, they've been for just about as long as I can remember. It's like they had a decent thing going with their old lineups with Freddy Frog and all of them. It looked like maybe there was a chance. Still think Chazzy got the short end of the stick. Definitely shouldn't have gotten mm -hmm. cut. He's a very promising player if you watch him. But other than that, it's really hard to say. Like, there are pieces. On paper, this team does look really good. You've got the experience from just about everybody. That shouldn't be a lackluster part. But it just doesn't seem like they really have the drive, the care anymore. And I think that's the biggest factor for it. JL only really wasting time on this roster. Same thing goes for Nock. Both of those players could very easily still, I think, play at tier one, if not like top tier two. It's just more short ends of the stick. And I think easily this team disbands soon. They are a quick results want, but they are going to be a, a pop and drop team. Neil K finishes off. Uh, 
Well, so, I mean, the, the best way to simply put it is that this Apex roster, it's just not it. I mean, it, it's just not that side. I mean, they, they came in and everyone was like, wow, this, this team's going to make a push for Tier 1. And, like, I, I think if, if people were thinking that off the back, they were deluded. I mean, there was just, there's no evidence to support this claim. Even when you look at the players who have played at Tier 1, you know, you know, the big one, all shocks coming to this team. His recent form in Tier 1 hasn't been the greatest. I know that kind of whole stint wasn't a dream. There's a lot of external factors that played into it. But generally speaking, as we've already kind of mentioned that, Shocks is getting on a little bit. And I don't think he's that kind of high-impact fragger who's just unbelievable and untouchable at times anymore. People know how he plays. People know where he plays and, and what they want to do to take him down, which has been proven over the last kind of, you know, a few months to a year. And I think bringing him into this roster wasn't the puzzle piece that they needed. I think, um, yeah, generally speaking for me, this Apex side isn't the one that I'd want to be kind of my bank on, to be perfectly honest. Frog, you mentioned they're pretty old. There's not a longevity factor at all with, uh, with Apex. They couldn't qualify for the RMR and, and those performances were brutal as well. They were losing against some, some pretty bad sides, to be perfectly honest. Sides that they really should walk you know walk over to be perfectly honest i don't think i don't know where that they, they fixed this problem because you know stiko still sort of learning to igl essentially but um at, at the same time i don't think stiko's the bad factor i think even if they move stiko to a rifle role he's a very good rifler move stiko to a rifle role bring in a, a more storied igl you know you look for some of the igls i mean i know it's a bit of a tough market at the moment but free agent igls at the moment maybe potentially like an Alex. An Alex who come in, he can call, he knows what he's doing, he's played at the tier one level. I know his performances haven't been great, but I'm saying I don't think Stiko's the problem. I just think him IGLing could be a couple of problems. They've got good factors. JL is phenomenal. He's proved it with Mad Lions or, I mean, should I say ex-Mad Lions, they, just before they disbanded, they won the, the, their last kind of tier two tournament. They, they've proven that they can compete at the operational tier two, potentially make that conversation for steps in towards tier one. We've seen it previously. We've seen Tropic make that step up. We've seen Copenhagen Flames make the step up. Even Skade for a brief point, the Bulgarians had a good little conversation and it looked like Mad Lions had all the right pieces to make that conversation. Our voices didn't work. Jacob as well. I think, you know, if you build around JL and Jacob, you've got a really solid roster. Nork as well. He's proven that he can compete at the level. I think it's just this team as a whole isn't really what it is for me. And you mentioned Chorzy. I'm really sad to see Chorzy no longer in the roster because I thought, for me, he was one of the, the, the hottest prospects coming out of Sweden. You know, him with an AWP was absolutely unstoppable. And then, of course, then they forced him onto a rifle role, which isn't what he was playing on. He looked towards the stats when he was playing on Savage. That team went from a nothing team of everyone who everyone thought was just a random mix to them being in like the top 60 off the back of essentially what was uh, Chorzy, you know, tooth and nail pulling into a lot of success. I think this team has the potential, but I don't think it's with this roster. I, I think they've got, they've got buckets of money to work with. I know the, the org apex is owned by a very, very prominent Norwegian. I, it's a lady. In fact, it's like unlimited money from my understanding. Um, and she's more than happy to, to, to put down the paycheck to sign whoever, but I just don't get the signing of shocks. There's so many different better people who they could have picked up instead, uh, who have, have proven it. I think it's very good for branding. It's very good for shirt sales. It's very bad for performance because his performances over the last few months have been like, what? Like he's, he's averaging like just, just over a one, I think. It's not been great. I, I think they were looking for quick results, bringing in a tier one guy of shocks, but not bringing in the right tier one guy by any means because I, I just feel like the roles are a bit of a mess. They're not allowing Jacob to play his roles as well. Jacob has to be super calm and refined now. Jacob as a rifler is brilliant. Like he is unbelievably good. And let's prove it. 
but he's not playing his roles anymore. He's playing super passive now. He has to play a little bit more step back. When we saw Jacob, or we're playing a previous roster like Extremer, for example, Jacob was allowed to just free run. He's allowed to do whatever he wants, be super aggressive, be the Jacob that he wants to be. Now he has to fit into his conform system of what is a kind of a fresher eye gel of Stiko who doesn't really know how to call around this team. He, Stiko doesn't seem to know how to use the puzzle pieces to advantage. And that's why this team's falling short. I think they on paper looked great, but in the server looked really, really rough around the edges. All right, we get the last question before we go to the clutch round between two people for fight fighting against but up against each other. So we gotta take I gotta take a little small break for an ad. If you're looking for the easiest and most fun way to spice up your CSGO viewing experience, it's underdog fantasy and their pick'em game. Just look for your favorite player's stats and pick whether you think they'll end up with higher or lower than their projections for their games, and you can win up to 20 times your entry in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use app and website. It's easy to get started. Just download the Underdog Fantasy app or use the link below in the description, sign up with promo code NART, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So last question for the clutch round. There was a... Boom, Mitchell's report. Do you ever find him going on a tier one or tier two team in the upcoming player break? Because there was a report apparently Samuya in that stack with the bench warmers wanted to invite Boomich on, but he declined. Do you, do you guys see him going on to a tier one, tier two team? We'll go Vantaram first, and then we'll go Scriv, Frog, Nilk at the end. I am an absolute sell on that. I do not think he is going to see the light of tier one again, at least without proving himself at a very much lower level. Right now, I think when I look at most of these top it teams... A, it, it could be tier one or tier two. Just, just being I, like a little I know. I think the problem is, well, okay, tier two, tier two is a yes, but tier one is a no. I really think you do have to separate that question because I think it's... All right, okay, 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 okay. Let's say tier one, uh, we'll go tier two. Tier two? I could see tier two then. Tier two makes a lot more sense because right now, it's a lot more fragile at tier two. And I think experience, as we've already talked about in the show a lot, can do a lot for a team, especially in tier two caliber right now, especially with how many teams need it. Uh, You look down to that lower scene, and it feels like consistency is their big issue. Boomich, while he won't fix a fragging power, never really feels like you're relying on an entire team effort for fragging power in the tier two scene. I mean, Copenhagen Flames, I think, was that really rare exception, maybe in Tropic for a while. But for the most part, you look down at tier two, and I think you've got like your big names, you've got your headliners on most rosters, but your big issue is experience and consistency. And that's something Boomich could, or Boomich could definitely deliver upon. I mean, teams like EC Kiv, who do fairly well and sometimes, sometimes they're a bit lackluster. Boomich could probably whip them into shape a little bit with the extra experience. Obviously, there's... Uh, controversy when it comes to CIS and when it comes to the whole stuff with that. I could see him going to a team like K23 who just lost their IGL to Evil Geniuses. I mean, he could turn them into something, maybe whip them into shape a little bit more. There's a world of possibilities for him there, but as for Tier 1, it's absolutely not. I mean, he's already shown he doesn't have what it takes to go up there, at least fragging-wise, and with how big it is to perform in tier one right now as we just saw from a player like hooksy that's not going to fly anymore so he's missed his chance with tier one he has to go back down to tier two i could see it happening maybe he performs better and then goes back up but right now it's a sell on tier one and a buy on tier two all right scriv um yeah i mean so i'll i'll take a little bit of a different angle in the sense that he should be on a tier one team uh, to be honest, right? I feel like, you know, we've got all this. It's like, well, how much is 
blade and the drilling and you know is it really boom but i i think that he's definitely uh worth for a tier one team the old classic that sort of came around when he was removed a little bit before all the drama um was was going to to cloud nine um i don't know i don't know i i think that there's there's maybe room i don't know how good his english is um but i could definitely see him hitting into you know the the tier one space in theory it is kind of that you know execution of like what team does he actually join maybe like a spirit or something um i don't think that they would be too bothered all that much about optics uh would you call them a tier one team maybe 1.5 if we're really being pedantic about it tier two wise i think yeah could could easily just slot in um but unfortunately i think that there's there is which team would he go to in tier one also it's like i don't think there's that many that will want to touch him this this quickly to be honest you know because there's it's not a lot of him, but it's just, you know, there was there was a fucking tidal wave. Um, and people are obviously going to start making up their own minds and uh, rehashing the story and remembering it differently and this, that, and the other. And obviously, you know, he made the wrong decision, but one of, we are sort of led to believe retroactively, you know, results-based uh, learning or whatever, that he was removed from Na'Vi kind of because um, he didn't want to move away from his girlfriend and, you know, um, they weren't too happy with that. So, but I will say, yeah, I, I think it would be cool to see him back. Um, he could definitely bring to to a team. I think Entropic's actually a great example in in all fairness. Maybe one win or something like that, you know. But I don't know if that's what he's going to want to do. He might get to a position where, look, they earned a lot of money in his tenure. While he, they earned a lot of money, so that's one angle. Does he want to compete? He's got other passions, you know. He he loves uh, making music or whatever. I think he'd be a great personality. Get on, get on Twitch, get streaming, right? It, it'd be a lot of fun. Um, or maybe he goes into casting in the Russian language. That could also be a great move as well, to be fair. But I'm, I'm not sure. I think that there's, there's a should angle, you know. But it's similar to Device. Will he come back? I actually don't think. So. I don't think so. I think so much happens all at once. I think that Boomich is just gonna, at the very least, for like easily six months, which puts it after the player break, if that's our timing um is is just gonna take a back seat and not really do anything maybe if he gets some really good offers but like I say he won't get any really good offers he will have to compromise he will have to you know say i still want to compete that's what's most important to me is competing you know is it winning well maybe winning at tier two but winning at the top level you're probably not gonna be able to do that for a long time unless you can build up a team from the bottom is it uh money probably not right so the big drive here for boomich has to be that he loves this game. He loves competing and he cannot live without it. As uh, indeed, making it to that level, you would kind of assume, but there may well have been something within that drama um, that has turned him off from all that stress and all that sort of competing at a top level. And yeah, I, I think that we'll probably see him move into, he'll stick around in the community, but I think he'll move into like a different role outside of playing. Rog? Um, I'm going to kind of go with more directly answering the question will he come back <laughs> by the next player break no fuck no in no capacity is there we go um tier one obviously there's no space for him because let's be honest like you know he's not coming back to navi i don't see him going to spirit like there's just no way he enters a tier one team i don't think his english is good enough and from like the you know murmurs i've heard through the scene uh you know there were apparently talks with g2 and stuff like that he turned that down right there's not going to be an opportunity for him to come back in an international team or in a cis team at a tier one level at a tier two level maybe like two years from now but that's it because 
Well, yes, uh, Scrift brought up the whole, oh, you know, Kane, you know, kind of like that whole argument, or not Kane, sorry, uh, Blade, you know, is, is kind of the master behind, behind the whole thing. And Boomish was sort of just like IGLing, but he was like the puppet that Kane had. Um, I've got to say, I agree to, with that. And it's not just because, you know, recent times, oh, suddenly Electronic is doing well as an IGL. Look, anybody can play Navi system. It's because Boomish was just okay. He did the whole QBF win strike run, you know, he was not bad. Uh, and Navi had, you know, Dinosaur Zeus in the back and they kind of needed somebody else to call. So he was just brought into the team. He just happened to do it. You know, sure. Does that mean he learned things? Of course, you know, if he were to slot into K23, I'm sure he could get a lot out of that team. But I, I just don't see that happening. You also mentioned it, you know, oh, does he come back to tier one or tier two? He didn't, he declined uh, bench warmers or whatever they were called, uh, Smuya's team, right? I mean, that's not even a tier two team, if we're honest. Like, that, and the fact that he has no interest in, in doing something like that because he's recording music, you know, there's no interest. Like, clearly, he's gone through some shit, right? And, and I don't, like, even if we ignore the whole angle of, like, the scandal with his girlfriend and everything, all the allegations, right? None of it is true. Everyone forgets about it in a year's time. Um, I, I still think Boomich is just clearly not interested in coming back right now. And in a way, I kind of understand him. He'll likely just take a break. I agree with Scrib that he'll probably remain in the community in some capacity uh, because, you know, it made him who he is today. He's sex successful because of it. But uh, likely he just becomes a streamer, right? There's, there's a huge... Uh, community of, of russian-speaking people that watch csgo he could easily make a killing off of that he was always super popular even back in the wind strike days with singing and all that if you know this whole album he's making who knows maybe gets added to the game down the line you know that'll be a nice little meme haha <laughs> funny like people will remember boomich they'll remember his story but i just don't see him coming back in any capacity as a player right now and you know, even if he were to slot in for, for uh, Finnegan on K23 now, Finnegan's a way better player. Sure, he's not as experienced at a high level, but I just would much rather take a chance on Finnegan and pretty much every other IGL on their teams right now than take a chance on Boomich after what we've seen from him in Navi at a high level. Me okay? Finish it off. Yeah, actually, the only bad thing about being uh, last is I kind of most of your points want to get hashed. Yeah, but I, I, I have, uh, I, I have had some of these. Uh, like I've had a kind of had this, had this thought process already. I've had a, a similar conversation, so I can actually there'd be a lot of similar things. But for me, there's, there's just no way he goes back into tier one. I mean, like there's, there's no positive, there's no pros to him going back into tier one. Um, I mean, even when you look towards Navi, we kind of already mentioned it. It's Blade's system. It's, it's not Boomich's system. It's not Boomich's calling. It's Blade who set up the system, which means that anybody can jump into that IGL role and all they have to do is make mid-round adjustments. Hence why Electronic, who's never historically been, you know, the, the, the IGL by any means, is able to step in. And what, in his first game, didn't he drop like a 1.8 rating? I mean, that, that says it all, right? Anybody can, who's got the talent can step up. When you look towards kind of a, Boomich as a person, he was kind of that proper IGL um, he, he was kind of just there to fill a gap of Zeus being too old and they needed someone to step in who could just kind of like hold a mouse essentially. And uh, he, did, he did that. Mentally though, he doesn't want to play CS. He, I think it's very clear to see that he is taking a much needed break. He's had a tough time here, you know, outside of the game, a tough time outside of the server. He just needs a break. And I think he knows as well for it's best for him just to take a step away because it's been a rough, rough couple, rough couple of months to a year, or whatever, that he just needs a bit of a break. Hence why he's doing his music, doing his stuff as a personality, actually kind of enjoying life again. I think people really underestimate kind of how mentally straining 
playing CS full time is traveling around the world and also I gelling on top of that. It's it takes a lot out of him. So I think he just needs a bit of a break. I think for Bubito, he needs to find himself again. And I think it's not going to be going into tier one. He's not going to, he's not going to waltz into any tier one team because there's no pros of bringing him in. Um, on top of the fact that he is essentially a bit of a brand risk as well. It's a little bit risky there. So no tier one teams can be like, oh yeah, Boomich. I mean, where, where are the kind of the, the positives around him? Because I, I really don't like this notion that, oh, he's an IGL, so he doesn't need to frag. Because if people live by that notion, you look towards recently when Hooksy had a stinker performance, that's all everyone was talking about. Twitter was just awry with, oh, Hooksy's you know, he's terrible for the last kind of, you know, week or whatever. Um, because, you know, he's an IGL not fragging. I don't like this notion. It's not good enough anymore because we're seeing people like Carrigan step up as an IGLs. We're seeing a lot of these tier two IGLs come through for a monster performance, proving that IGLs can do it both. So I think when you see kind of Boomage have a very mid, you know, performance for a long, long time, you then see what's the positives. Because when you look towards Boomage, where are you getting the pros from? Because it's not his, it's not his system that Na'Vi were using. So it's not even like him as a caller is going to bring in the positives. It's not as fragging. That's for damn sure. So it's not even like you're bringing him in for stats. So where are the positives? I think for Boomich, he just needs to find himself again. I, I, I think start bare bones, build a team around himself, drop in towards the tier two scene, look towards a mixed team, look towards finding... He's not even going to slot into... For me, I don't see him slotting into any of these tier two teams. Not a one win, not a K23, any of them, because they don't need him. They've already got IGL who are more than fine. I mean, and to be honest, IGLs aren't really the problem in, in CIS. Uh, I think with the amount of talent that's in tier two and tier three, etc., CIS is arguably probably the most stacked region of any in the world in terms of these unbelievably cracked aimers who could just step up to the plate. So I don't think Boomich needs to just go straight back into tier one because that just won't work. It's to go back to the start, build a team around himself, pick up these youngsters that he knows, you know, from the CIS region, there is thousands of them. Bro, just open up face it. You find probably some decent ones, to be perfectly honest, with just the raw talent it, it, it coming out of CIS. Build a roster around himself in tier two, and I'm sure it'd be fine. But, but when you look towards the pros, I just don't see that many um, because it's not as fragging it's not his system it's not his calling style not even like his mid rounds are great let's be perfectly honest so in the grand scheme of things boomage isn't going to start into a tier one side i don't see any world where he does but i think it's more for the fact that the guy just needs a break i mean he's had a rough old year mm. like take a step away enjoy life he's loving the music it's i think it's refreshing to see him happy again stay happy you don't right. need cs mate no no neil kate you're in the clutch round with okay. a three-way tie a three-way tie we can, give, we can give you guys a quick point to say anything for a point to go against them. We'll start it off with Frog, Anthra, and Scrib. Then we'll, then uh, me and the producer will decide who gets the point. So say anything you want to say about, like, uh, any, any news you want to hit on really fast. Anything. We'll give, All right. We'll so judge. I think we were, we were meant to... 30, se- 30 oh. seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. We were meant to talk about this before, but apparently, you know, the whole Crucial thing, getting kicked out of Endpoint... Uh, I'm happy it's happened. I love Crucial. He's a really nice guy. Seems like a super serviceable opera. But my god, did he need to get the fuck out of Endpoint for them to be a relevant team again. I'm glad they're picking up MHL. He's young, but he's super talented. He's got a bunch of experience. Uh, it's likely him. If it's not, I'd love to see maybe somebody like Wrinkle or Hedrick, right? A young, talented opera. Uh, uh, historically, Endpoint have taken chances on young, talented riflers. Time to do the same with the Ops so they can actually be a relevant team and compete with other tiered you know, two tier one, maybe even teams in Europe, because having a good opera is what it takes to be at the top right now. All right, Anthron. Honestly, now that it's fresh on our minds, I still want to. I still have a couple more things to add about Boomich. Like, if he's not going to come back now, I don't think he's going to come back at all. We talk about him being happy. We talk about him making music. All the alternatives he has. There is no reason for him to come back to a team if he doesn't do it in the near future. Right? He's already lost motivation, as we talked about. Not a team that wants to touch him in play. 
He's making music. He's making money. He's living happy. He might even go to streaming commentary. There is any spot in the scene he could go except the game that will not only provide him with the amount of money he needs to live, do well, and live happy, but just to relax. I mean, there's no reason to go back and do with all that stress, with all that controversy he has under his belt. There's no reason. All right, Scrib. Uh, I'll go for the EPL conference move, actually. Uh, they've decided to, you know, put conference actually part of Pro League. I think that all round, it's a pretty good move. We already touched on uh, FTW. They lost a couple players, right? So you're not going to get shagged, as we say in the UK, by these uh, roster moves that can occur in between, get your players poached. Um, I also really like it because it's going to get more people watching these tier two teams. You know, they're trying to connect the Pro League name to conference, and that's fair enough. But now it's like more of a build up for the tournament. If I was going to watch Pro League anyway, I might watch these guys. So I have a bit more of an idea about the new teams that are coming in. So I'm a massive fan of them moving conference. So it's a bit closer. There's a few issues with, you know, nomenclature and it gets a bit conflated having all these challenger tournaments and how do they feed into each other and whatnot. So I think it reduces some of that confusion because indeed, you know, now conference goes into pro league and uh, yeah, we're going to get like a good eight or nine weeks of, of counter-strike off the back of that. All right. All right. So with going with the, with, with Chris, the producer here, we have Neil K versus Scrib. Sorry, Anthran. Sorry, Frog. Oof. I got screwed. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say, I got screwed. <laughs> Bro, you don't think I heard you motherfuckers reaching out of your ass for those points? I know Scrib during his little thing. Scrib, I saw him three different times look at the screen and go, all right, come on, just one more. This motherfucker, whatever. Whatever. I wait, needed something fresh. I, I want something fresh. I couldn't go I back want, to a point that had already been I want back. a bonus round before you start that. I want you guys. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want last place. I think I rightfully didn't earn last place, but... But I'm tied with Frog. You guys need you're to create another You're already black and white, bro. Yeah, you're black and white. I'm not competing in this. I'm competing for not last place because I rightfully did not get last place. But y'all motherfuckers want to try to put that shit on me. So come up with you another prompt. You come back what? and we hey, fight hey, for hey, third. Hey, hey. What hey, the hey, fuck? What? No, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Get his ass. Get his ass. If I, if I recall correctly, before we hit the buyer save, <laughs> you were second place so you were not last place that's not okay. i wasn't i wasn't last place no. and then no, you, you changed weren't. the rules mid-game you weren't you weren't you weren't last place i just said it's it. a collective third yeah no 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 no. Third. i don't want no collective third you got that you got that bronze trophy man give me, me third place he gets fourth all right all right we'll give you that <laughs> Not last, fuckers! <laughs> all right, all right. This is the most American-Canadian moment I've ever seen. <laughs> Bro, if I didn't loud, ask you who was in oh, Paris, goodness. I would have won over you. Yeah, maybe you should have. I, I want to say, I gave Anthony a point for making fun of Sagka at one point, so it kind of evened out. <laughs> I, yeah. I, did, I did do that. I did do that. I, I, yeah. I noticed. You yeah. brought me off for the personality. I gave you the personality. You docked me for the personality. What fuck do you want? But this is funny. So, you know. <laughs> All right. You weren't, you weren't last. You were third. Confirmed. I thought, you'd be gone. I thought you'd be gone immediately, but you pull out the shades and you got there pretty good. <laughs> okay, I you happy? So hard. I worked so hard. You worked Shit so like hard. Mario you didn't get last. Whoever's winning in the beginning loses. All right, we gotta do this stuff. Uh, the clutch round fast. So, did you two? The points are at zero zero, so it's a one one. One guy gets it. One guy gets it. Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, I am I am China. Just got like just got scratched off. 
the during the end of the year due to like the COVID issues. With that and also how the Chinese scene's going, what's your biggest improvement you guys can do to help the Asian scene? Can I or take the just... floor here before you yeah, start? Sure, yeah. I know you've been, right been doing a lot right. of a lot of Challenger yeah. League recently. But uh, yeah, I, I, right I did a lot of Challenger League last season, and I've just done a, just obviously seen wings up at, at Melbourne. Um, I think it, finally we're seeing people wake up to how good Asian CSGO actually is. Like there is a lot of a lot of competent teams coming out of Asian CSGO who are better than a lot of seeds. I mean, even when you look towards the RMR, for example, um, the, you know the, the fact that NA has doubled the the, the, the teams competing essentially is just moronic because third and fourth from Asia you look towards kind of their qualifier because Rare Atom made it through from the Chinese qualifier and they took down Wings up and then IHC made it through kind of the rest of Asia and then they had Greyhound from from Australia Oceania which makes complete sense because they are the best team Vertex are in the bin they've got three standards at the moment I mean, the, only, the only guy that got consistently has braced the IGL who bless him he's like 18 years old and uh and then you look towards their last the last team was with Gigi Howe International a little bit of a mix let's be honest it's like Mezthol the FBL god and then they got like face cracking Dav Cost who are running it back to like 2018 so kind of it's, it's cool to see them but when you look at the teams coming out especially you kind of a Kind of like you know China for example, like Wings Up are more like for example Wings Up are better than kind of fifth to eighth in uh in North America, and I'll stand by that happily. Um, and some of the other teams that are there, Tai Lu, they still got really decent. Bentex really still kind of got it. I mean, they've just been kind of mare overall. I think the Asian scene is getting the respect it deserves, but not enough. Rare Atom have for a long time proved they are more than capable. We saw Rare Atom at Valencia not even that long ago, and they were very, very competent. I think, Scriv, you even there casting, am I right in saying? Rare Atom were a very decent team. They actually should have been at conference as well, but due to mm. visa issues, Tai Lu had to fill in, and they weren't really the, the best team to fill in. IHC. Of course, granted, they you know they weren't the, the the best performance of the major, but in the grand scheme of things, you know they're they're aside for me. Who I, I think Asia as a region is not getting enough respect. They should have more spots because kind of third to fourth in Asia is better than fifth to eighth in in, in NA, and I'll stand by that. So the fact that NA is having, I'm not being funny, teams like Squirtle Squad going to their <laughs> RMR when there's actual competent orgs over there i just feel like they're getting slept on which is hence why i am china's getting kind of pushed on the backbone of course covid got in the way they've got a still i think they've still got really hefty covid restrictions in china which makes it all the more uncomfortable but i think with a, a lot of the kind of the policy changes i don't want to get too deep into the politics yeah. of china because that's a slippery slope but uh you know they've got even got the thing of you know if you're under 18 you can't play more than like an hour a day or something like that you know there's a lot of things over there fundamentally that make playing cs in china very very difficult and that for me makes i am china a little bit of a complication there is rumors and there was rumors that perfect world we're going to get the major over blast that would have been awesome because at the very least we could have had an earlier revitalization to Asian CSGO. However, it's been pushing the back burner. I, I don't know. For me, I'm a big fan. I think there's a lot of talent there. A lot of teams who are proving their worth. Wings Up have just done it. They took on the 15th best team in the world, OG, which, you know, they absolutely dismantled Dexter, who for a long time has been one of the better orpers in kind of, you know, outside of the top 10. We're finally seeing teams step up, but they're still not kind of getting the, reserve, the, deserve, the respect that they deserve. And I'd like to see a thing like I am China or Beijing or something in some way to kind of really boost the kind of the, the localized scene to kind of, you know, prove that there actually is a lot of talent coming out of Asia that deserve respect that people aren't given. All right. Script. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously there's, there's a fair amount of agreement on my side. What I will say, I think, uh, Maybe some like ESL back tournaments or whatever. This would also spread to some of the other, you know, cash cups and things. Like maybe we yeah. could see those over in China um, or in the Asian region, right? Um, 
Yeah, I think some like ESL-backed more domestic kind of tournaments, uh, perhaps a bit more of a figuring out, and maybe it is down to how many teams there are, but, you know, we touched on this a little bit earlier beforehand, so I will say, you know, it's a slightly half-borrowed point, but a lot of the teams, you know, just sort of... Come, there's no there's no breakdown in the ESEAs and all yeah, the qualifications, exactly. so there's a massive, massive split. When you're in ECL, which is meant to be, you know, their sort of league that um, allows these teams a bit more development, and then, you know, they're playing in uh, conference so they get experience against teams that are better but not quite the world ending teams that are just going to ruin them so are they really learning anything you know etc um and so the split there is is really silly sometimes and i think that it's like you know i watch rare atom today and they're doing it's like if they're playing a, against uh, an entropic or a heat or a sprout or whatever they're not going to do these things they were just playing really silly but it was working because they're just mechanically better than their opponents you know so i think in terms of like the development and whatnot it, it's a bit of a challenge um coming over to europe as well i think is another move that would be really solid they suffer a little bit similar to na where it's like where's the backing where's the you know it's hard to um get these teams across and whatnot um but yeah and i i think a, a better development of like the young players and things like that maybe get an academy team in somewhere right and and let's see what they can do when it's a much sort of uh, more level playing field against some of the lesser experienced eu teams like they would be as well um but yeah it's it's kind of a difficult one because i think as well getting the the game in, I, I hope that perfect world because of this i hope that perfect world get the next major afterwards now I agree. we've yeah, yeah. you know touched on all the major and everything and it's like it's going to be a real challenge to follow up after these two bangers but um it would be really solid because um you know there's sort of many conversations around like the the drive and the mentality of of asian uh, esports players and whatnot and the best csgo player probably plays league of legends you know and and i, I think exactly, that the yeah. yeah the the ultimate like um drive and the ultimate uh, getting people on board with CS in Asia has never really been the same as it has with League, Dota, Overwatch, right? So um, hopefully we can get a major out there and that'd get a few more people behind it. But it, it's it's definitely, I'm on board with Neokai. It's definitely better. A, a few, I wouldn't say a couple, but maybe four or five when International Counter-Strike was, you know, more at its height. Um, we had maybe two teams and even then it's like, oh, they'll, Tai Lu will maybe get a map. Cause they'll have a cool round on Vici, <laughs> yeah. but beyond that, it's like there there really wasn't an awful lot against any caliber of EU team. Whereas now, yeah, there's some legitimate stuff where they're playing teams uh, from across the world, from uh, higher in in uh, EU or the sort of mid level where it's like some SA teams or whatever, and they are indeed you know picking up dubs and and uh, looking decent. Now we'll see because I think it's a an interesting sort of spot where it's at because it's like. Are they better or are they just not as prepped for the, the style, right? As people start to respect Asia more, will there be a bit of a, a, a trough, as it were, once teams get used to them again? I don't know, but mm -hmm. it's a difficult one. It's it's the big, the Asian question, you know, is is a pretty big one in Counter-Strike. Um, but yeah, yeah. the, the ultimate agreement add. is like, get the RMR sorted yes, out, boys. What exactly. the hell is going on there? I mean, the fact that every other region gets more teams, I think is, I, I think it's blatant disrespect, but I think fundamentally... Uh, there's a, there's a problem there. You mentioned like 
the when you look towards Asia as a region, it's League of Legends, it's Dota, it's Overwatch, it's everything else yeah. but CS:GO. Even Valorant. I mean, like the, some of those teams coming out of of, uh, of Asia, I've been unbelievable. Paper X for a long time, I've been farming. You've got some of those Korean guys who are stepping up huge as well. I mean, that's it basically. So I, I think fundamentally is a change because the fact that it goes from ESEA Open straight to Challenger League just shows that there just isn't like the the, the competitiveness in there. The, this now but I, I feel also bad for them that they can't scrim against good teams they can only scrim against themselves because of ping issues so they can never improve as a region just because of their location which is the same yeah. problem that australia has as well so i don't know I, right. I can harp on forever about it but i'll leave it there all right uh i know anthony and frog want to say something we'll wait to the end for you guys to say that your point so hold on uh next question uh Smoothie had a hot take on the last hltv podcast right there it will say that device can replace Monacy if he is open. Do you guys agree? Do you, do you guys ever see this happening? We'll go with script first. Yes, well, um, I did it full first. Sorry, what no, was that? I, unless you want me to go first, I'm happy to. No, I mean, I'm, I'm I, cool I, to yeah. go first. It's just kind of like, I don't know. It feels like such a ridiculous thing to say from Sumi. I'm not going to lie to you. I think, I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, I, not a chance, to be honest. I think Monacy is young. He looks great for his age. Um, oh. I think he could be, you know, uh, one of the best players that um, we, we see over the next sort of five years. Maybe start... Because here's the thing as well. We're getting to a point in CS where, you know, we, we've got GOAT status for players in like 1.6. Those guys end up, you know, on, on NIP. You've got Neo as well this, maybe is in remember, there. Remember, this is theoretically. Remember, remember, this is a theoretically movement. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But what yeah. All, all I'm saying is like, I, I feel that um device has played in the era of a different goat i think that monacy is going to outlive the well, <laughs> outlives a bit crazy um but you know in 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 the in the in the game um he will still be around when device stops playing when simple stops playing and then he will be in his prime we're generally looking at 22 23 24 to be the prime of a player so monacy has the chance to start arguing and start his own legacy be the goat of his era and then start battling against you know those those players that have come before him we're, we're starting to hit that kind of level where it's like um you know your muhammad ali was the goat of his era but then you'd say mike tyson's a better boxer and then it goes on and it goes on because you've got the compounded knowledge and all that of the players that came before them so yeah and i just think it's like if it were next week and device becomes available they're not going to make a change they're not going to pick him up right six months they're not going to pick him up um i think that device it's it's such a difficult one he obviously has like a really solid ceiling but i think that you can put your chips into monacy uh as g2 and, and you don't need to get device um also there's just the monetary aspect it's like why would they maybe indeed if you can get device for free i get it but you've spent all this money on monacy uh and it's not like he's looking bad it's not like he's going to be the problem within your team at least for now we'll see what happens you know give it the major and can he perform there but yeah i just think it's um smooth hot take kind of sums that one up for me i won't lie to you uh, I, I think he's a great personality but you're, like you're saying that that's an answer on level take yes <laughs> i mean uh, to be perfectly honest if you if you if you're going to go sorry yeah i think anthron was a little smarter than that take i'll give him that <laughs> yeah you. yeah uh, uh. Shrimp, all I'm saying is Dust 2 is not as heavy as an op map as Inferno. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. God. Here we go. Um, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, the, the first thing that has to, to be said is, um, you know, if, if anyone's backing or doubling down on a smoothie hot take, what are you doing, to be perfectly honest? <laughs> I mean, where, where's the, the logic behind trusting anything he says, to be perfectly honest? There's a reason he's not on a team. Um, so 
uh, okay, but first of all, why? What is what? Give me, you know, what is the logical reason? I'll play Devers. I'll play both sides. So Manessi, he is not one of the best young player in the world. Like there's, there's no two ways about it. He is the best future prospect, skill ceiling. There is no one who kind of kind of reaches up to his level at the moment in terms of what this guy can provide. There's even, you know, there's a world of possibility where Manessi can just keep pushing this game further and further and no one's ever, ever kind of expected it. So I think for me, Manessi, it, it doesn't make sense. You've got to think of everything in terms of the, what they've just spent on um on him. Why would they even go out of their way to then bring in Device? There's the other side, which is kind of, you know, you look towards Device, he's got the experience, he's got the consistency. They don't need to mold him by any means. He's got major wins under his belt. He is, you know, at one point, pr- probably, well, not one point. I mean, even people make the argument for the best author ever. You know, some people were making the argument for a long, long time, you know, before, of course, Simple start to step up in his own regard. Zyru came on the scene. But, you know, we were talking about the, the GOAT conversation. The Vibes was in it for a long, long time. Um, I, I think, you know, consistency and Device's peak was unbelievable. And there's the positives there. But there's a lot of ring rush. This guy hasn't played an official in like a year and a half. And I know people keep harking on about, oh my God, he drops 40 in an FPL. Who cares? Like, who actually cares? Because you've got kind of, Loban Jika's dropping 35 sometimes. So don't, don't be coming to me thinking he's going to be the next go. That, that's not the metrics to go off. He's, he's playing FPL, so therefore he's got to be good. Or he's, you know, he's playing face at level 10, 5k ELO, and, he, and he's dropping 40 kills. So he's got to be the, the best player. He hasn't played an official in like a year and a half. Uh, and then you've got the other things about him having kind of, you know, the the errors in terms of his mental game getting tilted benching himself essentially he got all of those out of faucets i just don't see the benefits of dropping what is basically the hottest prospect to have kind of you know entered the game since well i mean essentially even like simple way back when you know flip side kind of thing early days liquid there's never been a player for me that has the potential skill ceiling the way manessi has Build a roster around him. Build a roster, a future around him. He's still literally by law a child. I mean, it's just a dreamboat of a player who can continue to push G2 further. I mean, I don't see why they need to make any changes. I don't see any of the benefits of bringing Device in, who's got all this ring rust about him not playing for a year and a half, whatnot. Keep an SC. There's no benefits uh, of Device. I know in terms of the orping style, it could be good because of course you've got two polar opposite orpers. Is the argument? It depends what system you want to play. Manessi is a shotgun orper. He's the, one of the most aggro orpers going. I mean, he's the ridiculous high high sense, the flicks. That he's a superstar showdown. But then you look towards Device. Device gets slept on a bit at times, especially kind of his orping style because he's the god of holding angles. He doesn't make mistakes. He is. Device is so good that for a long time, when he was, you know, winning majors with Astralis and whatnot, Orpers were trying to mold themselves to be Device. They were doing the same plays Device was doing. Device literally invented how to play an Orp on Inferno. You look towards Banana, go towards Banana, take the first peak, fall back towards, you know, that, that half wall, take another peak, fall back towards kind of the corner of the building, fall back towards CT, rotate to Coffin. That's Device. Device started this sort of Orping style of like consistency, efficiency, perfection. However, he's not been in the game for a year and a half and they've got this god kid who is just destroying and dumpstering all right guys it only seems to get better all right right last question this has to go fast because there's a little situation happening around my house at the moment so okay. i need to so we got like we have 10 points to left. add too so make it quick you fuckers <laughs> you're all out, right mate. last question last last question <laughs> this is the last one navi have recently have been practicing vertigo of late and which was their permaban are they going to shock us at the major playing this or like an upcoming event? And what map are they scratching? Make it fast. We'll go with Neil, okay? 
Uh, I mean, I I don't think there's any negatives of adding the, the map to the pool. I, I think it's always been kind of their perma for a long time. They've struggled on it. I think it's like to say when we've seen them play, which is very rarely, it's been pretty brutal. So I don't think, um, I, I didn't expect it originally, to be perfectly honest, but I did hear those rumors. And I understand what they're trying to do. We've even seen the same things happen. For example, Imperial doing the exact same thing right now because Cello is changing the way in which Imperial call. Imperial, before Cello had a five map pool, that's how brutal it was for them. So very easy to, to win a veto win when it came towards a best of three so you know cello is now bringing in it actually funnily enough is vertigo as well right it's the same situation as was navi it's obviously that they're stagnating they need to make a change something needs to happen for them and i think that adding this map to the pool which potentially could cause something different the major is, is a massive addition to them we saw the same thing happen with maps like ancient for example when it first got added into the pool Teams like Copenhagen Flames made a name of themselves off the back of Ancient. There was one point where Copenhagen Flames had 29 maps played on Ancient and they'd only lost three of them. I mean, they had the most ridiculous statistics. They'll put up ridiculous numbers. And I think for Na'Vi, they need to follow a same suit and do something different because they can't keep one stagnating. Map, one map, and one they map they're replacing. And one map they're replacing. You think so? It's got. To, I think it's got to be ancient. I just don't like their ancients. To be perfectly honest, I mean, even Endpoint, I, I managed to kind of prove that, and that's saying something. And I'm a UK boy. That Endpoint, with the colossal changes they need to make, <laughs> managed to take them down, and pretty convincingly, it has to be ancient for me. All right, Scrib, we gotta move on. Remember, that. I gotta, I gotta, gotta go. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, um, I definitely agree. I think ancient getting taken out also worth noting. Had to double check there, of course, but uh, they lost it to Fnatic as well. So I think it has mm. been sort of their weakest map that they play. Uh, for a while um it's also just a bit of a whack map you know like I, I can definitely why not why not change you know one for the other right the the sort of uh second worst design map in the pool for the worst design map why not um but yeah and i think they also they need a change right so they internally some die young's the obvious one coming in is he going to be sticking around don't really know probably will be for the major right unless they do something wild mm -hmm. and then the other thing is that electronic you know is moving on to calling um i think it'd suit his style of calling actually sort of wanting to lead from the front a bit more rather than you know uh, slightly more systemy we could say with with boomich so i think that a map like vertigo that moves very fast will probably suit electronic um yeah i mean sure there's there's nothing really wrong with it especially like practicing it um and i think that they need something fresh they've not been the top team for a while now is the time it's kind of you know we've had like the the three majors uh obviously the two that have gone by where it's like now simple's time very cool happened now's carrigan's time very cool happened and this third one is a lot more up in the air the gaps closed between one and two as we've been talking about and right, even guys, you know fades don't look yeah. as solid um so yeah i think that now's a good time they've got changes with players and of course the fact that they need to jig something up because they're not quite as solid a team as they were six months ago even and vertigo is easier to call than ancient is the, yeah, the best way to put it and sure. they don't actually have an official igl it's blaze system so you know let, let's be perfectly honest vertigo is easier to call than ancient bring in vertigo because it's easier to read all right we're gonna declare the winner right now we're gonna have neil k win due to all the stuff that he said He's the official winner for this week. You have you fucking deserve to be here, bro. No, have, no, it's uh, cool, man. I'm happy. 30, to come second. Thirty seconds to say whatever you want right now. Still that shit. For what me. for me or for the others? Yes, for you. Uh, you know, it's, it's my debut, so I'm glad it I made it. It could be outside CS as well. 
Okay, so, well, can I say whatever I want? Can I plug something? Whatever you want. Whatever you want. Oh, well, you know, I'm on my debut to win. I actually take it. If you want more great hot takes, I, I, I have my own podcast just started on YouTube, so you can go and check that out. Follow me on Twitter. All my links are there, so you can go and check out my own podcast. It's me, Paladin, and Trav. We talk about a lot of CSGO. We know our stuff. Come swing by. It's a good times. We've got a new episode coming out on Friday as well. So there we go. All right. Copy my whole fucking flow. Word for word, <laughs> bar for bar. I went first. Anthrin, that doesn't make any sense. Anthrin, <laughs> Anthrin, you want to say, you want to say something? Yeah, earlier Neokai said he wasn't a big fan of the fact that uh, Asia didn't get many RMR spots considering they're better than most teams in NA, which I firmly agree with. I fucking hate the RMR system. I absolutely <laughs> hate that it's region to region. I think that is so dumb. Like, it depends. What are you looking for? What I do. What are you looking okay, for in a Counter-Strike right. major? Are you looking for representation from different countries? Because we can already answer that in external events ourselves. Like, I don't think that should be the pinnacle of Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike and a major supposed to be the best of the best. So why do we consistently have fucking order coming to the major to go 0-3 every single time? Like, I, no disrespect to anybody personally, but you don't deserve to be there. Like, I will stand by that. Fucking Squirtle Squad would not beat any of the top dogs in NA when it comes up to that. And I love them. I literally have friends on that team. Guys, I love you. You wouldn't. It's like, why does that make any sense? There should just legitimately be, like, RMR qualificant spots. You throw them all, right. all into one. You spit them out all into one. <laughs> Frog, anything you want to say before we close up? Not that we have time for. I, I just felt like when it came to the Asian stuff, we didn't really give any suggestions as to how to, you know, benefit the scene, if, if I'm honest. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think realistically, I, I want to see more out of an Asian TO, uh, right? I, whether that be Fun Spark, Perfect World, we need to see more out of events out of them. We need to see them on HLTV. There needs to be good English coverage with actual casters, uh, not last minute things, uh, because no one's going to care about the region otherwise. So you need to get viewership involved. Uh, there should be an Asian and probably a, an Oceanic player in the CSPPA to represent that those two huge regions. Um, I think there is going to be one, by the way. Uh, all right, you know, guys. impression. Awesome. I think I think impression stepping up. Perfect. All right, guys, so. all right, guys I want to thank everyone for showing up. Sorry for closing up a little early. Just a situation that happened outside of my house. It's ridiculous right now. <laughs> I want to thank I want to thank Anthran, Scrib, Frog, and Yoke for joining us and see us go out. See us out here at number fifteen. Also, want to thank our sponsors, Refrag. Use the code NART to save fifteen percent. Underdog, use the code NART to match their deposit up to first one hundred dollars. And use the cart. Uh, also, thank Manscape and use the code NART twenty to save twenty percent off on your next purchase. Again, I want to thank everyone for showing up. I want to thank our producer uh, Wearable for doing an amazing job. And peace out.